Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Bailog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're revisiting an old friend, RJ, by way mm. of Gay Paris, as we watch the first half of Spine 185 in the Criterion Collection, Francois Truffaut's The Adventures of Antoine Donnell Collection, here with Spine 186. Antoine and Colette from 1962, and Stolen Kisses from 1968. But first, RJ, it's like yeah. you're uh, at the back of a room here. I can barely see or hear you. Well, I was reaching down there to pet my cat. Wow. She, uh, she, I, I've been gone all, all the days this week, and she's missing me. So uh, she just wanted some attention before I got down. And, you know, I, I just... I come in through the door after the work day and uh, I sit right down you to do the podcast you with you. Work. Well, I come in from whatever I was doing. Yeah. From being gone for a while. And then, I mean, I slave away right right to the podcast. And then right after we're done, it's straight to bed, mister, because I got to get my 10 hours. <laughs> I'm actually getting like less sleep than ever. And it's it's horrible. Good. Horrible. I'm, I'm glad. Because you know what, RJ? You don't need 10 hours when you're, what, 30, 50 years I mean, old now? Yeah, but pe- people who don't sleep would argue. It'd be like, get as much sleep as you can. Like, if they're good people. If they're those kinds of people that are like, you don't know what sleep is deprivation is like. I'm a mom. Like, you, you've seen all those memes, <laughs> I've right? I've seen those sassy memes. Those sassy memes. It's like, no, no, no. You should enjoy that other people can can sleep in still. Because when you get old, Jarrett, your circadian ry- rhythms go to shit. And then you can't sleep from choice. So I feel like I got to get all the sleep I can, baby. But I'm waking up at 6 a.m. now, and it fucking sucks. <laughs> it's pretty early, dude. Yeah. Did you know there was a 6 a.m.? Yes. Yes, RJ. Yeah. When yeah. do you wake up in the morning? Mm, when Seven? I'm when I'm working a square job, 7 a.m. Yeah. When do you go to bed? Uh, 11, 11.30. So you're you're rocking on a you almost eight hour sleep. Yeah, it depends. See, that's not too far off for me. I don't I don't always sleep ten. It's I try to get eight. Right now I'm like mm-hmm. on seven. When I'm a real bad boy, I go to bed at like twelve thirty. Wow, wow. See, we're we're losing sleep. People can send their condolences into the show. I know a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, sleeps like seemingly three hours a night. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, man. There's some nights where I get mm, maybe four, five hours. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have a cat. Is uh, I have two cats. He, he likes he likes this, to do this thing recently, and I hope he doesn't uh, bring this into his uh, uh, cycle, where he like mm-hmm. wakes up down in the basement of our house, and he yeah. proceeds to come find us. But while doing so, he starts yowling 
and like oh. using sonar to find us. And he's like, it echoes throughout our house. And there's like, you know, the heat's not going, the air conditioning's not going. So it's just dead of night. And you're, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do, do and he gets, and it's good. No. Because I'm like, go to, you know where we are, you stupid cat. No. And then, okay, and, so here's your problem. See, and he, he goes all the way up, step by step, and he's like yelling, like, "What are you doing? Stop our it!" Cats, our cats do this too, and I uh, regret to inform you that uh, it will not go away. They will continue to do this forever because sometimes he, he never did this. He, he yeah, ju- I know. He just ours, discovered it. Ours didn't do it either until we moved into this house, and so they'll sleep in the fall asleep in the basement and we'll go upstairs to go to bed. And then at 2 AM they wake up and they feel lost, Jared. They don't know where you are. They're scared, man. You just gotta, all you gotta do is, is give out a little warlock. And then I bet you'll hear the pitter patter of feet coming up to you yeah, and then he'll be he okay. Seems, he doesn't come that fast. He comes at a well, trot. You'll hear. I, I, it's more, it's more like, I hear more of uh, the clack of his claws on the, mm-hmm. the floor. Yeah. One of our cats has high heels too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they clickety-clack on all sorts of stuff. But, yeah, that's not going to change, man. You just got to get used to it. What's your cat doing right now? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of <laughs> cleaning my office right now. Can you see this shit that is just everywhere? It looks like normal. Oh, oh come on. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm cleaning. And, uh, yeah, so now she's just smelling all the stuff I pulled out of the closet. Hmm. You want to know about uh, closet cleaning? No, I'm fine. Okay. How, how's your week been? Back in the swing I'm, of things? Back in the swing of things, man. Nine, working nine to five. But it's actually eight to four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's coming along, man. I'll see you next week. The uh, the work description, will job description will change a little bit. But uh, currently, things are moving smoothly outstanding so uh what's up with you what's up with your life when your cat's not waking you up in the middle of the night how do you spend your time um lost confused scared scared yeah yeah that's kind of a theme on this podcast yeah just listless you know you you sit around you're like i should watch a movie i don't want to watch a movie i should read something I don't want to read anything right now. I know. Yeah. I'll just aimlessly watch shit on YouTube. That means nothing at all. It's like, yep. it's, it's just well, people talking. And you're just like, oh, oh, here's a video of a cat that was mm-hmm. uh, trapped in a tree. And, uh, oh, watch these people save the cat. Let's, mm-hmm. let's check this out. This is, uh, this is the business. 100%, Jared. That's why I told you uh, Andrew's watching Gilmore Girls and I'm along for the ride. I uh I can't get enough of it. I just lie there like a real big shit, staring at the ceiling, <laughs> listening to the uh to the the quibbing, quipping, yeah, and squabbling. Uh, and these girls, man, that do they banter. Did you? They get into some wild stuff sometimes, Jared. Oh boy, you know uh your friend of the show, Sean Gunn. That's right, brother of James Gunn, trauma of alumni, is mm-hmm. in every episode of Gilmore Girls. Wow. Yeah, huge, he's got huge, huge. Huge, yeah. I, uh, I know what you mean. I've had thirty pages left of um, Doctor Sleep for about a week and a half now, and I just <laughs> maybe two weeks. I just can't bring myself to finish it. Do you want to hear about it? No. I'll tell you about it during the creeping. Okay. Yeah. Terrific. Outstanding. You want yep. to get, you wanna read some emails? Any females? What do you want to listen to me read emails? You're not you because you don't read emails. 
you could send them to me and I could read them once. Mm, that would be if that would be, be exciting. If we, if we ever get over 10 emails, so if we ever get like a full mailbag, you you can send them to me and I'll read out those emails. So that's a challenge for people out there, oh, but they'll man. never know when it'll be me that's, reading. That's right. They'll have to keep sending and sending and they'll be like, "Oh, sorry folks. Got only 9. <laughs> only got 9." And then Oliver will write in and say, "Hey, I emailed him." Say, "Doesn't count, man." Doesn't mm-hmm. count. Well, <laughs> Yeah, we'll hit it, I guess. What do we got here? Oh. Uh, Jackson. Is that Actium Jackson Maximus mm-hmm. in for, the flesh? For real this time. For real this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. Hope you're having an excellent week filled with leather and S&M. Ooh. How did he know? Once again, the recent episode was a real home run. <laughs> really? I thought it was one of the worst yet. I, I, but... think, I think some people might still be listening to that one. Oh, you mean that four-hour fucking episode? Yeah, yeah, people might still be listening oh, to a, the adventures of was, Stan Brackage. I was, up, I was up so late just getting that thing out the door. Yeah, but oh. you're up late anyways. We've already established this. No, us. but it's not the same. You know, it's like that's like my own will. This is like I have to keep doing this. Oh. No. Well, that's your fault. Well, I'm glad it was a real home run. During mm-hmm. last week's discussion of Midsommar, uh, Jarrett discussed the visual distortion and how Lars von Trier had done it years before in Antichrist, which should be on RJ's docket as soon as possible. Mm, it, future creep yep. doesn't count. I won't watch it until <laughs> it comes up. But you forgot to mention that 55 years earlier, Brackage dealt with the similar visuals in Dog Star Man. Mm, is that true? <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. It's kind of more of a digital Who's manipulation swirl. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I don't see it. But maybe I'm. Yeah. Send send me. Uh, give me a timestamp. Okay. Hearing Are about. Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking Jackson. Give me a okay. timestamp. I want to see what you're talking about in this dog star man. Where's this mm-hmm. bit? Where's this swirl? Um, hearing about Dancer in the Dark reminded me of when I watched the film in my university's library last year and was crying in public for a good chunk of the film. Mm-hmm. This in combination with an incident at a video store prompted me to wonder if you guys have had any embarrassing moments in relation to film in any form or fashion besides Almost this broadcast. Um, for me, last week, whilst returning a Blu-ray, I mentioned that the audio cut out at a certain scene, and I wasn't sure whether or not it was a stylistic choice or a problem with the disc. Mm-hmm. I forgot that this happens during a pretty jarring rape scene where men lean over a woman laughing maniacally. So I watched the clerk view the scene with utter disdain. God knows how much of a sex pervert he thinks of me now. And finally, mm-hmm. to answer last week's goat question, I'd say my favorite film centered around a gimmick would have to be Jones and Kaufman's adaptation, which sticks Mm -hmm. with me Mm -hmm. as one of the most original stories I've seen on screen. Keep up the unprecedented work, Jackson. Ooh. That's nice to hear from Actium Jackson Maximus. Mm -hmm. So I have a few questions. So I guess is the video store incident this this rape scene that he's talking about then? He mentioned first a video store. I'm guessing it's the same. Anyways, I wonder what movie he was watching. That had this silent uh, video store rape scene. I'm mixing too many things here, but I wonder what movie it was, Jared. Um, Who knows? It might have under. It might have been one of the female scorpions he's been watching. Okay. The female prisoners, I, like maybe. So was this at that scarecrow boat video that you were talking about yeah, before? Because my at, second question was going to be, where is there still video stores? Scareboat. Scarecrow boat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay, Jared. Um, I was going to say something else. Embarrassing. 
Well, I don't. So not not just about embarrassing, but I think I was talking about how when we watched Bird Box, there was that scene where like the audio glitched for like two minutes, oh, where yeah. it was like, uh, uh, uh. and I was like, <laughs> we were actually like, holy fuck, right? That's so. Well, I was. I was like, man, that's what a stylistic like achievement. This is amazing. And then I just realized it was broken, and I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Embarrassing. I mean, I get embarrassed all the time. I guess. Going to see Suicide Squad by myself was pretty embarrassing. Uh, that was because I got stood up, though. So, you know, um, crying and cloudy with a chance of meatballs. That was, I mean, I don't get embarrassed by that. Whatever. I am what I am. But I don't know if anyone saw. Andrea saw. She was there. <laughs> she saw. She was probably embarrassed. What about you? Shit. I don't know. When are you embarrassed? Frequently? No. Whenever people comment on the YouTube of our podcast episodes? I'm embarrassed for them. <laughs> well, actually, if you know anything oh. about Japanese samurai uh, martial lifestyles. Martial. Yeah. Yeah, I sorry. I, I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, I'll, I could I'll, probably come up with some embarrassing you, stuff you, for you. Yeah, you could find uh, some... I don't know. Yeah, go dig through my star ratings and be like, that's embarrassing reviews. I don't know. Uh, I, bet, I bet some people like in the theater thought it was embarrassing when we were leaving glass and uh, you were, or no, split, and you were fingering the screen, M. Night Shyamalan. I bet there was some guy in the stadium that was like, holy shit, that guy's doing it. That guy's doing he's, it. He's standing up to M. Night Shyamalan. Well, <laughs> Okay. Moving uh, on, then I guess I, I, if you if you yeah. have nothing embarrassing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if uh, I don't know if adaptation would count necessarily as a gimmick. I mean, it's got a. I mean, it's such an original story. I mean, I don't know what the rules of the gimmick. Yeah, are. I, I don't know what the rules of the gimmick are either. But it's like that's a that's a uh, that's a, a very good movie. So yes, yeah, cool, cool. Justin <laughs> Peterson, oh, friend of the show. Caligula, yearly movie Uh-oh. count, and being try hard. Mm. Hey, Jared and RJ, what's happening? Ooh. Oh, happy That's birthday, all. Jared. I hope you have a great time celebrating as people remind you that you're just one step closer to turning 40. It's not your birthday yet. Not yet. I didn't miss it. But he uh, he did. Uh, I mean, what do you think it's better to be a couple days early than a week late? Probably, right? Probably. Yeah, so that's nice of him to remember. Yeah. Uh, I remember now because he brought it up. (laughs) I'm a good friend. That's what Facebook's for. Well, I mean, you don't know, but I've secretly organized to have all of our friends of the show wish you a happy birthday. Oh, wow. So, uh, oh, by the way, can I edit tonight's episode? (laughs) Is Is that possible? I'd love for you to do that. I'd love to see what came out. And then right. I would just be, you know, making the real version of it, and you'd be yep. over there. Well, maybe we'll do that uh, when we do another bad movie, like mm. 400 Blows. I completed my Creeps movie recommendation, Caligula, but to be Oof. fair, it was more of a selection Jared made for my cringeworthy bucket list. It reminded me a lot of future creep Fellini Satyricon, but way more vulgar. But it is, and mm-hmm. and it is fair to say that it ends up being a historical bi- bio porno with all its nudity and unsimulated sex for two and a half hours. 
and that mutilation wow. scene was enough for me to keep it on my cringe list. But as messed up as it was, it did have some great elements, including the cast and production design. Thanks for the nudge to finally check it out, Jarrett. See, I don't. Did I do that? Am I? You you must have. I must have. You must have. Hey, I have a question for Justin and for the fans out there. If this podcast were to get a porno biopic treatment, who would play us? I mean, I know you would be Val Kilmer circa 2009. Uh, I'm only guessing I could probably be Mel Gibson when he was about 18 years old, like Mad Max uh, Road Warrior type stuff. But uh, I know I'm just guessing out there. I, I just remember, though, I guess uh, Caligula and a movie that we both watched this week uh, involved uh, lar- lard and asses and fists. So that's, and what else? Uh, those three in uh, some configuration. Like multiplied? Well, between two movies. Oh. And oh. and the awesome uh, decapitating machine. That That's only in Caligula. I've never seen Caligula. And you get to see, um, what's the actor? He just looks so sick in it. In Caligula? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Peter Olivier? Peter Lawrence O'Toole. Olivier? O'Toole. Peter O'Toole? Yeah, that he, dude just died. Yeah. He, no, he didn't. He looks gassed. You're thinking of Fonda, not, not Peter, O'Toole. Let me look this up. Peter O'Toole just died like a week ago. No. December 14th, 2013. I fucking told you. You idiot. With the year coming to a close in a few months, I'm starting to think that I will not reach my goal of watching 500 movies for the year like I did in 2018. Do you guys use Letterboxd to help you track how many movies you have watched in a year and how many uh, do you usually average? Yes, Mm -hmm. I've definitely uh, kept my eye on that. I don't know if I've ever like really set any particular goal. There was the year that I was over 1,000. And uh, you needed to reassort your life yeah. after that one. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That was a that was an ambitious time in my life, you know. Watching ambitious or low? <laughs> ambitious, RJ. You know, oh, okay. Just watching movies. <laughs> sure, if that's what you want to call yeah, it. Watching whatever that is, three a day on average. There were some shorts mm-hmm. in there. Those like usually, uh, you know, yeah, like five. Uh, fluff it up, but. Um. Yeah, I definitely use it to keep track. Uh, yearly. Routinely, uh, sadly, it will not be touched. My yearly stats for this year, as you mentioned before, are just going to be dominated by Stan Brackage and Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, so the stats mean nothing yeah. for uh, like individual people. But yeah, I'm a. Uh, I've never cracked that 375 since I've been keeping track. I mean, I'm sure I did as really? a kid, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I I was. I think I get close. I'm always around 300, but that's about it. Yeah, I'm at 348 right now. Well, look at you. Well, some of those are like, oh. I mean, I'm, I think four of those are dog star, man. <laughs> yeah. See, I have that big bump too. I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah. Ju- you know. ju- juking those stats. That's juking why, that's why, that's why people are getting those uh, TV shows up on their uh, letterbox. That's such shit. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't get it. Like there's certain shows on here that are just flat out TV shows. Let me log in Roseanne. <laughs> I'll find have eight thousand ep- uh, movies a year. Roseanne, the complete saga. The complete saga. Yep. Well, according to Letterboxd, and I try to log or at least document every movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, according to it, this is accurate. I have spent just over ten thousand hours of my life watching movies. Sad. Yeah. It's certainly something. 
certainly Sad. something. Yeah, you're a bad dude, but goat movie question of the week. Mm-hmm. What is your greatest of all time exploitation movie? I don't think I've ever seen any, so I look forward to getting a few recommendations. Um, you're gonna have to take over because I don't even I couldn't even tell you which one. Like I've I've seen a bunch. Like Big Bird Cage counts, right? No, that's oh no? yeah yeah sorry okay when I heard I heard bird cage and I went what and then oh I not the big, bird cage big the big bird cage uh, what about like um Blackula because that that movie is yeah. actually like kind of cool yeah the the sequel's pretty good too uh, those are one damn oh god ah god well, you're the exploitation ah, guy I am oh jeez oh, oh man geez. oh geez. Ah, heck but I don't really oh, ex- I don't really organize things by like pure exploitation I have like these uh, pseudo genres I make up. Um, well, you have exploitation, you have exploitation. Yeah, right. Just pick like the some of the best from each of those. I'm looking up a, someone's list of low budget and lurid. A list of exploitation grindhouse fare. And now I'm going to you're you're hearing movie magic right here, folks. Let's They're always go hearing to movie magic. movies I've watched using the, using the magic of lists. Exploitation. And, uh, your highest rated. Let's see here. Hmm. See, it's like it's so weird the recommendations you get. So I mean, I guess like Eraserhead. I mean, mm-hmm. but is it's like an art house film? But I don't know. It was considered because it was midnight popular and stuff like that back in its heyday. Uh, yeah. One of my uh, greasy favorites, of course, is Birth of a Nation. Death oh, of a Nation. No, uh, no, uh, that would be sorry. It's it's Goodbye Uncle Tom. <laughs> Oh, okay. From 1971. Uh, that movie is like nuts. Grueling? It's it's more, no, it's like more fascinating how this movie was made. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's these Italian, it's like the Mondo filmmakers, the guys making Mondo Kane. They got built, they kept stepping up their game. And then finally they were like, let's tackle slavery and, oh. and, and, and like black and white relations in America. Let's do it. And it's just. Did they do it? Fuck, man. I've, you've never seen a movie like it. And mm. a, a stirring score, so yeah, that's awesome. See, a lot of these are mo- like horror movies to me. Well, so I'm on your exploitation, and uh, I'm a little bit su- surprised at some of the movies, uh, like The Wicker Man. Is that exploitation? It's uh, rural. You're going rural? into like a rural area, and they're yeah. That's I sorted of... it by the my rating first. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw is first in there. Yep. Then Wicker Man, and then Rituals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like later on there, we have Pumpkinhead. That's pretty cool. Let's see Jarrett's highest rating first. Oh. Texas Chainsaw, Woman in the Dunes, The mm-hmm. Last Picture Show, Wake and Fright, but those, see, but those aren't like, see, those aren't actual exploitation movies. They're just movies that exploit their subject matter Picks? rather than exploit their audience and their, what their audience wants to see. Sure. I mean, if that's what you want to call it. That, yeah, it's like people, like appealing to people's uh, worse inclinations kind of and making movies about that stuff which is awesome <laughs> what about that's so what Jared has about. four lists here he's got Hicksploitation Vetsploitation Bikersploitation and 1960s Maniacs Perverts Deviants Degenerates Sex Freaks and other people named Jared Duncan yeah that, that list is awesome that list a lot of Jarrett's in here mm-hmm. ooh gross Ooh, well, uh, if you if you, want, if, you, if you want a little bit of black exploitation, uh, Truck Turner is pretty awesome with Isaac Hayes. That's a good one. 
Take and, your word for it. Uh, recently, I recommended people check out Sudden Fury, the Canadian film that Vinegar Syndrome put out. I did see, I think Jackson watched it and he was, he dug it, which was yeah. uh, correct. Mm. <laughs> you know oh, what? Ooh. My. The Intruder, uh, directed by Roger Corman, starring William Shatner. <laughs> the Intruder? Yeah. Hmm. Hey, I went to your vetsploitation list and mm-hmm. I looked up my uh, highest ratings. And coming in in number one, just over number two, Taxi Driver, with the remake coming out soon, that Joker movie, just ahead of Taxi Driver, Mr. Majestic. You better watch out for that guy's watermelons, Jared. You better. Elmer Leonard will come get you too. Mm-hmm. With so Chuck. I guess, I guess Mr. Majestic. That's is that exploitation? Not really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you could fit into it's that. About watermelons. Uh, there's. It's been uh, Gordon's War, directed by Ozzy Davis from '73. Another good black exploitation movie. Okay. Uh, there's like so many, so many movies. I think we uh, we hit enough. So it's never enough, RJ. It's never enough. I don't know anymore. I know. I knew too many. It's too broad. Yeah, I know. That's why what I'm saying. I think. And yes, yeah, like Street Trash, Reform School Girls from um, '86. Those are is all. Is Cruising an exploitation movie? Mm, debatable. Of the S and M group. We'll talk about that. We'll get there. I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to help you out a little bit. Finally. You guys often point out that many recent art art films are being too try hard in their approach. Yeah. And I finally saw one that I felt the same way about called Vox Lux from director mm. Brady Corbett, who may mm-hmm. be re- who you may remember from Funny Games US. You can tell he loves art house films based on how many techniques he borrowed from other filmmakers like Gus Van Sant, Alejandro Gonzalez, and Loreto. And ultimately, <laughs> I think it felt messy with how hyper stylized it ended up being overall i think the theme of the film was interesting and i look forward to hearing your thoughts on it eventually thanks creeps and have a great show thanks mm-hmm. justin um Thank yeah you. i've seen this vox lux it's got a striking title it sounds like a that, that e- natalie portman poster yeah you know what i mean yeah i know you're a big fan yeah sure She's what else that? about Vox Lux? I don't know. It's got a striking title. It's like, what's that all about? Then I hear everything seems so mixed. It doesn't seem cohesive, mm. and I don't know. Yeah, I know about that. Try Hard, RJ. What about Try Hard? There's lots of Try Hard movies. Almost everything I watch lately has been Try Hard. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you ever seen Stan Brackage? <laughs> I don't know if he's he's doing it. He's I don't know if he's trying hard. He's doing it. He's doing it. Yeah. I don't have a try hard list, but, uh, or tag, but there's some, I mean, if you go to my art house trash, there there's some, go. uh, there's some real shit in that thing. God, God, or is it only God forgives or only God, oh, that Nicholas Reffin movie. The one with Ryan Gosling? Yeah. Not, only that's, God that's forgives. not drive. Only God forgives that movie. Ooh, beyond the black rainbow. That's mm. a real piece of shit right there. Yep. Oof. Uh, Mandy. <laughs> Mandy. Halloween two. Rob Zombie edition. Rob Zombie edition. Uh, I have. She's got to have it under art house trash. <laughs> I don't know right. if that's. I don't know if that's try hard, but that's definitely art house trash. Mm. That movie stinks. Finally, RJ. Uh. It's a short mailbox. Uh huh. Frank Solano. Frank Solano. Just under the wire. 
No, this came in sometime okay. earlier than us recording. Well, we we can accept emails uh, any time in over the six days until we record. Yes, until we record. Yeah, mysterious mysteries. Sup, yeah. incredible dudes. Ooh. Hope you guys are having a good week. So, I wanted to start with my non-film related question. If you were forced to watch one of these classic shows on a loop for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Roseanne. It's not an answer. Well, it's the Popeye only answer. the Sailor Man. Mm-hmm. I guess it's Popeye the, the, the Sailor. The cartoon? Yeah. Okay. Tom and Jerry. No. Okay. No one, no one's going to watch Tom and Jerry ever. Or we'll Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes, for sure. Because of the variety. That's true. But I would put... Tom and Jerry second. No, I put Popeye above all. Tom and Jerry, who cares? I mean, okay. Honestly, I'm speaking a little bit from ignorance. It's not like I've really done the deep mm-hmm. dive on Tom and Jerry cartoons, but that's what I'm saying. No, no, no man. So that's just like you get, your you get, opinion, you get, you get, man. You, you, you get Tom and Jerry in Looney Tunes. Do you? Well, you get like varieties of the cat and the mouse. You... Varieties? Are you talking about uh, Sylvester and Tweety? Yeah. And like other, and other, other cats trying to kill small, adorable creatures. And then the table is turning on them. Ugh. And Do you uh, remember that Tom and Jerry ice cream? Yeah. That was good shit. Ben and Jerry? No, not Ben and Jerry. The Tom and Jerry, the Tom and Jerry cartoon ice cream. It could have been like those push pops or something. What, oh, what was yeah. it? What was it here? But have you ever watched uh, or seen any of the uh, Max Fleischer Popeye the Sailor cartoons? I mean, I'm sure I have. Well, I don't know. Well, the, the good ones are where I kind of not really kicking around that much, but they're amazing. They're like just gorgeous, gorgeous cartoons that people should definitely check out. I think there is, they're coming out on Blu-ray again, but like, yeah, they're stunning cartoons. Fleischer stuff is so great. Speaking of TV, but yeah, I'd say Looney Tunes would be my number one for the same reason RJ mentioned. It's just, there's so much stuff to get through and, variety show yeah, man yeah they're all hits and there's some misses there's hits there's middle of the ground stuff but yeah looney tunes speaking of tv since the students have made their disastrous return at work i lost mm. quite a bit of time to watch movies so i decided to try a few mini series i started Ooh. with true detective season one which i actually owned on blu-ray for about a year and i'd never seen i really mm-hmm. enjoyed it and so i decided yep. to try sharp objects which i recall rj enjoyed Mm-hmm. Sadly, I solved the mystery by the third episode, and I ended up skipping to the <laughs> twist finale, which completely lost its power on me. So, my well, question here is: When yeah. watching mystery or detective films, do you guys actively search to solve the mystery before the end of the film, or do you just let the film unravel to itself? Um, first, I don't of think all, I actively do it, but it happens sometimes, yeah, intentionally, just because you're like, oh, it never ruins anything for me. It's like you. I don't know. Unless the show's just like, I don't watch enough TV shows for me to watch something that would like so disappoint me that uh, I would like, I don't know. If if a show was that bad, there's other things in the show that that were probably annoying me before the fact that like the the twist stinks. So I've never really had that experience. But uh, True Detective season one, I remember really, really liking that show. And then the last episode came along and, uh, it left a left a sour taste in my mouth. What happened at the last episode, Jer? Well, RJ, it was the yeah. uh, hey, maybe there is hope, buddy. 
ending. Oh, you didn't like the optimistic no. side of it? No, that, that that annoyed me a lot. And uh, so you, you well, you're the these, person. There's all these sweet things they were setting up. You know, talking about Carcosa, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh man, shit's getting weird. And then it's like, no, it's just a regular old thriller. And like it, the setup was so mm-hmm. good. Those first like six, seven episodes were fantastic, and then that last episode was just like, oh. The grass man. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah. What about was, uh, the grass man? I, I didn't like this redemption of Rust Cole business. What do you mean, Rustin Cole? Yeah. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Maybe because maybe you were, I never watched season two because of all the bad press, but yeah. maybe you're the reason season two happened because you wanted more doom and gloom. Isn't that season nothing but misery? Season two? Yeah. No, it's weird. Apparently it's goofy. I have the Blu-ray of that and I've never watched it. It's on Crave, but I, I don't want I, to watch it. Well, um, maybe what we'll do, RJ, you and me will tag team that. Uh, what about season three with Mahershala Ali? Marvel Cinema's Blade. Wow. Huge. <laughs> I don't know. Do I, you know I, about Blade, I'd, Jared? I'd, 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 I'd watch that too, I guess, but I guess I should watch the second season first and see if uh, it deserves the hate. I'd rather watch Blade, to be honest, but... Yeah recently since my schedule has settled back to its usual pace i've managed to watch a few old school mystery films the maltese falcon and the big mm-hmm. sleep specifically and i realize mm-hmm. that those are impossible to solve so in a way i'm using that to help tame my sherlock holmes ego but they led me to something else witty dialogue mm-hmm. the big sleep mm-hmm. was hilarious and all because of how the characters would quip at each other at such a fast pace and that it was almost impossible to keep up which in turn led me to watch Jackie Brown because there's uh, if there's anyone who can handle quippy dialogue in a modern setting, it's Quentin. So that's how I finally rewatched Jackie Brown. I'm not sure where I'm ta- uh, where I'm taking all this, but I guess I'll just throw my next question out there. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever listened to true crime podcasts? <laughs> well, before we get to that, Jared, I, I just gonna say if Frank's a fan of quippy, fast-paced dialogue. He should maybe check out the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> on Netflix because it ain't get much faster than that boy. Um, anyways, true crime podcast. Yes, I used to dabble quite a bit. I listened to Serial. First season was pretty cool. Second season was different and not what anyone wanted. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay. And most people forgot about it. Third season was like even more different. I listened to like two episodes and then I stopped. It was like court, like individual courtroom cases, like one case at a time. And I was like, I don't care. So I cut that shit out. Uh, I listened to a Canadian one. I think it was called like cold ca- or some kind of like cold case thing. I think it was called like a, someone knows something. Mm. And uh, it was spooky enough. It, it had like sound in it and all that shit but it wasn't very good and uh i gave up and now i don't listen to any podcasts not even our own yeah i uh i think i listened to maybe the first episode of serial and Mm -hmm. i was like trying to do it while i was also walking and i found that that type of podcast is not conducive to how my brain works or what i want when i'm moving around why do you got a weird brain I don't know. I, 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 when they're talking about things, they uh, I need a visual, I guess, because it just sounds like it's a bunch of talk. It's like listening to the radio, like listen, and I'm like, nah, this isn't what I want. I just but want, you know, we uh, run a podcast. I, I, I just want chit chat. I want I, I want cadence. Chat. I want like I don't want highly produced person monologuing to me, and then they intercut like interviews. Uh, like I I just don't really. What care. about audiobooks, Jarrett? I, I don't do those either. 
But what, haven't you ever tried to catch the big fish? I did. I, that's like that and on writing are the only two the things only I've two. ever successfully listened to is uh, audiobooks. I would never listen to a fictional thing. It would just, mm. I would just wind up zoning out too much. I got you. I follow. I like to occupy I gotcha. my own mind space. I got you. But I follow. Uh, Chanel is a fan of the True Crime podcast. I can't remember the name of the one. Oh, God. There's like swords and scales or some shit. I was, you listen to that one. There's one with this, this guy who's got a ridiculously deep voice, and then there's the other one. You sound like to. this. He's got he's got a radio guy voice, and it's, he said, "Hi, I'm <laughs> Jared." Yeah, just like that. And then there's the other one. Oh, oh it's uh, last podcast on the left. That's a that's. A oh thing. yeah. Oh sure. Yeah, I've heard the, I've heard those people. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Clowning. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I know, I, I know uh, uh, listener Rupa. She's a she's a crime podcast listener type. Do you know that for sure? Pretty sure it's been this has been brought up on the podcast before. Yeah, I know, but I don't want you to like say something I, that assume. you can't take back. Wow. Jarrett. Jarrett. Don't say anything that you can't say for sure. Usually, I've stuck to the Creeps podcast and a few YouTuber podcasts, but recently. I found myself listening to Crime Junkies. It's a pretty good show, uh, though sometimes the exchanges between hosts feel artificial. It's a scripted show and actually makes me appreciate the fact that you guys really record off off the top of your heads. <laughs> fact. So fact. I guess this turns out to be a compliment and a recommendation for that podcast. If you guys get a chance, individual episodes are only about 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, what a novel idea. We've already been talking Pathetic. for that long. <laughs> Pathetic. That's not even our intro, man. That's right. I would like to, I mean, it's nice that Frank is uh, trying to incorporate things that he enjoys, but I think that people should listen to our podcast more. (laughs) Just, I don't know, download it and listen to it like eight or nine times. And then, uh, I don't know, that's probably enough, right? God help them. Yeah, nothing scripted over here, man. We got wild shit going on. Flying by the seat of our pants. RJ has been just like in a world of playing with his cat, dropping shit, as you can all hear. You can all hear that. Nobody can hear that. Oh, they heard things. Well, see, it's it's off the cuff, man. Yeah. Woo! Woo! We're live, pal. What's going to happen? Anyways, this this is it for me. Have a good one, creeps and creepers. Thanks, Frank. Well, thank you, Frank. I hope we address some of your issues, concerns, and comments about the Criterion Creeps podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like true crime stuff, but uh, I don't know. The only one, the ones I was listening to fizzled out. So, you know, what are you going to do? What can you do? What are you going to do? Nothing. Okay, I guess that's the end of the podcast then. Hey, RJ. Whoa. What you been creeping on this week? Um, <laughs> not a lot. Uh, I did some stuff on the weekend, so mm-hmm. uh, my movie watching wasn't there. Hey, have you ever heard of this show called Gilmore Girls? Man, is it good. Man, you're a real Luke over there, Jerry. You, you know that you should uh, start your Gilmore Girls podcast. You've There's been already about. one called Gil- Gilmore Gilmore Guys, Ugh. and it's two guys who Ugh. review every episode yeah, in order, Ugh. in spine number. Oh, what a bunch of losers! Try uh, hard losers. Try hard. I don't know. I uh, I heard it's uh, good. I've never Andre, listened to it. Let's start but... a podcast about the Criterion Collection and record it in uh, order. We'll go in spine order, and then we'll also do other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, look what you did, you old jerk. Uh, well, I didn't really watch a whole lot, but hey, I I, I finished an audio book. Do you want to hear about that? <sighs> I 
I won't tell you much. I listened to Insomnia by Stephen King. Oh, that man. book stinks. That book sucks. Yeah, it, fuck, it's I not fucking, good. I fucking knew that in like grade six. Like, so I remember, oh man, mm-hmm. I bought that book in paperback because this mm-hmm. is kind of a cool cover. Like when mm-hmm. it came out, it's kind of graphic one where it's got this uh, like almost invisible man sitting at a park bench looking at a sunset. And I was like, that looks rad. And uh, I remember buying this doorstop and reading it awful. Like oh, it's, it's fucking huge. And I was like 12 reading this. And I was like, this is not good. This isn't good Mm-mm. writing at all. And I never finished it. I have no idea what happened to my copy. It probably was sold off at a garage sale. For like, Likely. For like a buck or two. This thing is, the audiobook was, I think, almost 30 hours. Oh. And uh, I've been listening to it for probably like eight months just because every time I would listen, I'd be like, eh, and I would just stop and not listen to it for like four or five weeks and then listen to it for an hour and then stop. Uh, people are hot on this because it's got that Dark Tower connection. Oh, of course. Loosely. But uh, I don't know, man. Like even Stephen King doesn't like this book. <laughs> he uh, he claims it's like, I think he did, did he's he... like, that's what happens when you try too hard. <laughs> he said this book is too try hard. Wow. I'm not even kidding. He, he's quoted on that. Wow. So this is his try hard thing. This and I think Rose Matter. Yeah, so uh, it sucked. Not much to say, but you know what? This was like an audiobook that like really actively like annoyed me because it had um uh, like annotated stuff in there where like so it had music cues that would like finish chapters and then start chapters. But it would come on like when there were still two minutes left of the chapter, and it was so fucking loud I couldn't hear any of the words. Hmm. And I was like, "This sucks. This is a bad production." I just thought I'd tell you about that. Well, hey, I almost finished Doctor Sleep. Almost. It's okay. It's fine. It's, it's okay. No, it's, I'm almost. It's, it's no it's, insomnia. It's no. It's it's no insomnia. It's a lot, lot better in, than insomnia. It's also. A lot better than the fucking Shining, but uh, it's still, uh, I don't know. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, do you want to talk about cruising? Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you uh, lead off here? Because yeah, cruising's kind of uh, your bag. No, that's fine. You can you can lead off. You can get your shit in. Cruising? Well, I I think this is pre podcast days. Uh, when I first watched cruising many years ago, I've mentioned it a few times, but uh, Jarrett lent me cruising one time and I watched it. And in the middle of the night, I woke up with the worst headache I've ever had in my entire life and it wouldn't go away. So in the morning I went to the doctor and I was like, something's wrong with me. I feel really weird. I was like, my eye hurts and like this side of my head feels super sensitive and like I can't really like my eyes are kind of blurry. I was like, I don't know what's going on. And the doctor immediately was like, you got shingles. And I was like, huh? What? I'm, what's I'm, shingles? I'm, I'm not 65 years old. Uh, I was 25 or mm-hmm. 26 at the time. No, 25. And uh, I was like, shingles, isn't that for like 80 year old people? And he's like, yeah, usually. But you have it. Uh, and I was like, oh, OK. So uh, the sheer viewing of this movie did so much damage to my physical body and the stress levels in me it made me so stressed out just watching it the tone the atmosphere all that moody detail uh billy friedkin pops in there it just totally ruined my life uh i was sick for three months 
uh, when I went back to the doctor, they said this is the worst possible case of shingles you could you could ever get. I almost went blind in one eye. Jarrett wow. saw me one time. I did almost go blind. I had to go to the ophthalmologist, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Holy fuck!" He's like, "What'd you do to your eye?" I was like, "I don't know, man. That's why I'm here." I had to wear an eye patch for three weeks. It was a bad deal. <laughs> did you did you not know that? I don't know if you. I don't know if I saw you during the eye patch era. It was only for three weeks, but my eye got like really sensitive, and I couldn't see out of it, and so I had to wear an eye patch for three weeks because like whenever like like room lighting would make it like uh, water and squint. Shingles is a bad deal. It's it wasn't actually cruising. It was because uh, I had some work stuff I didn't want to do. Uh, <laughs> so to get out of work, my body uh, completely exploded. Was this the sex work? Uh, it wasn't. I mean, I see why you could make that connection. But uh, no, uh, my old job, there was things I had to do I didn't like, and it stressed me out. So, but anyways, that's my cruising story. So uh, this was a few years ago, and Aero Video just released this cruising. And Jared was like, ooh, baby. I knew he was excited. This is one of his favorite movies. One and of I was faves. like, I've seen, one it, of his I've seen it far too many times. I'm sure you <laughs> for, have. For some reason. And uh, I know you alerted me to this Arrow release because you're like, it looks like they're doing it right. It's the mm-hmm. Blu ray. This is what we've been waiting yeah, for. Yeah, Freak says all previous versions are shit. I, hey, I trust old Bill. Mm-hmm. Bill Friedkin. Like, if he, if he says this is the one to get, I think this is the one to get. So I popped this son of a bitch on last night. Uh, after a long day and I just, I let it wash over me, man. Uh, like, I can, like a sewer, like a sewer. I can, uh, happily report. I do not have shingles that I know of right now. Yep. It hasn't come back. Uh, so I, 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 I made it over the, uh, the first, first leg. I think cruising is like an amazingly unique movie in that I can honestly say that I don't think I've seen any other movie quite like cruising yeah it has similar beats it has some through lines i guess with other like movie similar types of movies like thrillers or detectives or murder mystery type things it's got similar beats but the feel of this movie is i like i find it hard to compare to like anything else because i think this movie has a genuine uh like feel and when you're watching it there, there's such a like an effective atmosphere. It's really effective. Uh, this movie's unlike anything. Uh, there's so much crazy shit going on, and it, it is pretty tough to watch at certain times for me, just because of my own comfort levels. But we've mentioned on the show, I think sex is gross. So uh, <laughs> any sex, man on man, man on woman, woman on computer, whatever, it's all gross. I wish we didn't. I wish we could just like spawn off of each other. But uh, <laughs> like so this people. like pod people. Yeah, that'd be my ideal go. So um, any kind of sex is weird. And uh, this movie, especially you're like, whoa, whoo. Uh, I, I didn't remember as many jock straps the first time I watched this. <laughs> well, and especially good. my favorite was the hankies hanging out of the jock straps mm-hmm. because it's like the only place you can put it, I guess. Yeah. Other than around your neck. Um, this I think I think Al Pacino is really good in this. Like his dive when he starts to like kind of lose it and he he's like really becoming unhinged. Well, he's so good. He's so like when the when so when he goes back like after he like actually makes contact with the guy on the bus 
and then the guy goes back to his apartment and oh. looks up the window, <laughs> and Al Pacino's outside, and he's just fucking smiling. Uh-huh. It is like, like I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. it that part makes me so happy because <laughs> you're watching it and you're like, holy fuck. He's losing it, and like even when he starts to really get into dancing, well, and then like, it's like because he's getting a high huffing up that ether, the ether, devil's ether, like uh, Hunter S. Thompson would say. It's ah, oh, it's awesome, oh, and uh, my all-time favorite is just <laughs> the gigantic black cowboy. The and when he comes into the rooms, and that guy is like, "Who is that guy?" And he's just slapping people around. <laughs> that caught me off guard so much when I first watched this movie. I was like, "Whoa." What is going on? Did I dream that? Because everyone else in the room is just like, they're no selling it. Yeah, no, people completely don't interact with it. And uh, it's it's awesome. And I, I get it now, you know, it's like that community thing where uh, Donald Glover wants to have space paninis with Black Hitler. It's like, we're going to, we're just, we're ruining your credibility because this part of the story is so unbelievable. No one will believe you. I get it. Uh, Cruising is awesome i think cruising is like i said it's such a unique movie that i think it's that alone makes this thing a five-star affair because i don't i I don't really know a lot of things to compare to cruising it's it's unlike anything else so i'll let you go off for a while because i know cruising is a your (laughs) your thing a special place in my heart (laughs) yeah cruising's like your roseanne so uh, whatever cruising came about for me like my first hearing about it or whatever I remember it was at a video store, I think video gallery, and they'd have these like crazy deals where it's like rent 10 movies for like $20 for a week. I think it was something like that. I think it was even cheaper than that. And so uh, my buddy Corey and I, we were, uh, we would find actors that we were interested in and we would just rent a whole bunch of these movies and we'd kind of blast our way through filmographies. And at one point we were doing Al Pacino. And nice. uh, along comes cruising, which has this. Uh, you can find the VHS cover for it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh man, what's this going to be about?" And it's like, "Oh, it's William Friedkin. Shit, I know that. I know that guy. I've seen. Ooh, I've seen. Bill? I've seen uh, French Connection. I've seen Exorcist. This is cruising." Mm-hmm. But then it's like, you look online. At this point, the movie's almost this obscurity. The the controversy of the film, the protests, they're all mm-hmm. they've all died out twenty years later. When I'm watching this for the first time. And then you watch it and it's just like, what the hell am I, what is, what the, f- oh God, what is this? And it's like also <laughs> hilarious because it's just like, huh, you don't see this too often in like movies released by Warner Brothers with Al Pacino, who like at the time was like, you know, this is a little, little Corleone here. This is a, a Academy Award uh, winning director mm-hmm. and William Freakin. It's like, this is a big movie and this is just like, what is this trash? And um, who wow. Joe Spinell, Academy Award winning Joe Spinell? I didn't even know who Joe Spinell was at this time. Oh, you poor bastard! No, see, that's the thing. That's how early on watching this was because I he was just like, mm-hmm. oh, here's there's like this weird looking dude, and uh, now obviously I, I have a whole new appreciation for uh, Joe Spinell. Even now, because even because last time I probably even watched this, I didn't know who Joe Spinell was, and mm-hmm. Mike Starr of Dumb and Dumber fame. Who? Mike Starr, his partner at the very beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I recognize them too. And then uh, I did you also see that the friend of the killer is the dad from uh, Boy Meets World? That, 
Yes. That blew my mind. I was trying. See, I kept thinking, I'm like, that's not Brian Cranston. Because he just looks like, I, I know he is a dad from a show. Yeah. But I'm like, uh, like roll, Mal- Malcolm in the Middle, I kept thinking. But I was like, no, that's not it. And then no, now, now, now that you said it, you're, yep, yeah, there it is. That's why mm-hmm. That's why he's so damn familiar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Cruising, uh, I've seen on VHS. And then excited. Actually, I think I even got my friend Lawrence to order me the Blu-ray or not the Blu-ray, the DVD off Amazon. Cause he had a credit card at that point and I did not. And he ordered it for oh, me. What were and you like 13? No, no, no. I was like in my, fuck. I don't know why. Maybe I, did I have a credit card at that point? Shit, I don't even remember. Anyways, I got a okay. friend. I got him to order. You got for a friend to order reason. cause you couldn't. I couldn't is get what it. you were trying to say. And uh, so for like, and for like a long, long time, I remember Lawrence saying, yeah, after I ordered that movie, I get all these recommendations for like Dante's Cove and like these other like homoerotic movies, <laughs> it's like kind of like this podcast, like this podcast. Mm-hmm. So that that like was like something that he'd get recommendations for for a long, long time over on nice. Amazon.ca. Mm-hmm. You you okay over there? My no, it was just my mic stand fell. Okay. Or the the uh, pop guard. Mm. I didn't. I did nothing. It okay. just fell on its own accord. I've, uh, we've got this on vinyl. The soundtrack. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's a rocking good time. But, and so, yeah, I've, like, seen this movie come through DVD, and then it got uh, released on a burn-on-demand Blu-ray, and it was, like, crap blue filters and stuff like that. It looked real bad. And now, finally, the Arrow comes out. And this Blu-ray restoration is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, it is spectacular. This is one of the best Blu-rays I've seen in a long, long time, where I was, like, constantly amazed at all these things I could never see before. Really come to the screen. All those thighs and bodies and mustaches and body Triple hair buns. uh yeah just the, the 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 human torsos and chunks mm-hmm. and bits oh it's all there all clear this movie's what never about looked, the turbo buns the turbo buns yeah what yeah. about the hot abs yeah it's all there man it's all there it's all there hey what's your take on uh the hanky code the bandana code what, because what, uh what, what about since- it since I've seen this, yep. I've seen a few people in real life wearing bandanas, and we always look up the bandana code to see what people are into. And I've got to say, there's some alarming dudes out there with what uh, what's going on. Because I think one time we saw silver or gray, and we looked it up, and it was like, it was like the the most like aggressively extreme thing in the world. Is like this guy has sex with cars. And then he also likes to have sex on him by other cars. And we're like, holy shit, this is weird. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to see what it is. Let's Keep talking up. about cruising. Cruising. So, yeah. Hey, RJ, did you know at one point Steven Spielberg had been approached to make cruising? This Why? Is like, oh, well, this and is, then he went to do well, Hook instead? Well, he went and made Jaws, I guess, later on. Oh. But at one point he was approached. I don't, again, I'm not sure why. Um, but yeah, William Freakin, he initially turned it down twice. But then he read an article about uh, a uh, a killer operating mm-hmm. in this area, and uh, so he kind of took that material, took this book that it's uh, based on, got some got the magic going. Actually, there's one per, there's one other note. This is Wikipedia. Uh, <gasps> William Freakin. He wanted Richard Gere. He wanted Richard Gere to play the lead in this. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's well, a bit more androgynous than Al Pacino. Yeah. A bit, but Al Pacino's got that short curly hair that it, it fits the scene. It was an orange bandana, and it means anything goes. I don't know where that sex with cars came from. I was just trying to think that's, of extremes. That's just what you're. That's your thing. known for. Yep. Yep. That's your particular uh, freak flag. 
Yep. Hey, whatever happened to the James Franco uh, cruising remake that he was trying to it's make? A, he did it. It was a short film. He uh, reshot uh, the uh, lost footage. Oh, that's not that interesting. I don't. Cruising uh, doesn't need to be remade. The, the perfect movie already exists. Mm-hmm. It's cruising, brother. What else do you have? Uh, hot tips on cruising over there? Um, those are the ones that spring to mind. Yeah, who's your favorite cruising character? Who's my favorite? Uh, I like limping Paul Servino. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. He's a pretty sour bastard in this, lumping around, always one step behind. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what's there to, what's there not to enjoy in this film? Yeah, this is the, the, you're talking about atmosphere because this movie just exudes greasiness and filth mm-hmm. at all turns. Like it never feels good. Uh, it, I do like that the movie's kind of toned down, like the because I, I guess in an earlier cut, it kind of like it implicates that uh, uh, Al Pacino's character is involved in the the gay sex that's happening. He's he's taking more of a part mm. in these things or like getting somehow involved. I like kind well, of like that he's like kind of always at a distance from it, and he's no, he's like not like trying to be. He's not like. No, oh god, I gotta go puke now. All these gay guys, oh, mm-hmm. they disgust me. They're not, they're not going down that route. It's just like more him, like having to really have sex with his wife really hard, and then suddenly those those images start coming into his mind, and he starts questioning things, and like the line, mm-hmm. the things start blurring for him, and then we get into this like strange theme in William Friedkin movies, like even like outside of uh, his horror movies and cruising could arguably be a horror movie where it's like well, ghosts yeah. and like possession <laughs> because um, this movie's got this kind of nebulous ending about his like about dead, a dead dad, a, a spirit making people do it. And then you get their weird robot, their weird robot mm-hmm. voice. And uh, does, does Al Pacino have that? And like, it's interesting because when mm-hmm. I watched this, like on, VHS and DVD, it seemed a lot more uncertain. Watching it in like razor sharp digital restoration, the movie makes far more sense than I think it ever yeah. has before. Uh, where it's like, oh yeah, I know it's pretty clear what's going on. Like, it's just like mm-hmm. making these kind of uh, decisions to like leave information out and and leave, make it ambiguous. Yeah, because uh, yeah, to live and die in LA, it has some like weird like twists near the end where like it's like. Is he been possessed by this? It's like this is like a movie about counterfeiters and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, he's been possessed by some spirit. And you're like, huh, that's kind of a thing in cruising too. And uh, that was an exorcist bit too. And who knows? Even the Guardian has probably something that perhaps even blue chips. Well, I think the Criterion Creeps podcast has that uh, ambiguousness at the end, where it's like, was it really them, or was it the ghost of Joe Spinell? Yeah. Who's to say? Who's Jared? to say? I, I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> Did you watch anything other than cruising? No, <laughs> not really. Cool. Unless you want to hear about Gilmore Girls. No. I watched Billy Madison again, but it was on TV. How did you not watch Happy Gilmore? It wasn't on, and Billy Madison was on. So but Billy it's got Madison. Gilmore in the title. Oh, I see. Uh, so it had all the TV edited stuff, but I've seen it so much. I can fill in those holes myself. So I didn't miss a thing. Huh? Hey, cruising's a good show. Yeah. Cruising I is. think my favorite character is the, the big black cowboy, but I also kind of like the, the water sports guy because. Oh, Maddie gets over, Gin- yeah, that, 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 uh, ginger man. Yeah. He's just like, he's like, if you're not into it, man, don't put it out there. 
But also, it's like he should cut him a break because maybe maybe Al Pacino was into it. He just got nervous, you know? Take that fucking hand out of your back pocket. Maybe he just got nervous. Sometimes people get nervous when they try new things. Hips or lips, RJ? Uh, neither. Decline. <laughs> Decline. N-A. N-A. Yeah. Uh, so what about you? Do you watch uh, movies other than Cruisin' or do you watch Cruisin'? Mm, I watch Cruisin'. And then I followed okay. that up. Uh, Chanel and I, uh, we watched Cruising together. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it had been a while since she'd seen it. And then I was like, hey, we should watch Vice Squad, which I also Ooh. talked about last week. Because it, it was like watching Cruising. I'm like, oh, this is bringing back all these memories of Vice Squad. I haven't seen that for several years. And I've got this new Scream Factory Blu-ray. And man, what a step down the picture quality is. It's better mm-hmm. than my old DVD, but man, either the there's limits to what you can do with film, and uh, maybe there's is this a cheaper production in general. But it seemed like there were some corners cut. They kind of got it out there. It's just it's fine. It's, I've I've heard some uh, parties talk about how great it is, and it's like, nah, I've seen I've seen better just this very night. And uh, have you have have I made you watch Fight Squad yet? I'm pretty sure I've seen Vice Squad. I think you gave it to me when uh, when you gave me Cruisin'. Okay. I can't remember if you watched it or not. Wings Hauser. Let me look. You keep talking. I'll, I'll see. So this is a movie that is uh, a make or break type of deal with uh, Wings Hauser being uh, the, the great villain Ramrod, who's a, a real mean, vicious pimp. Uh, who, I've never seen Vice Squad. Okay. There's a there's to a interrupt there, you. there is a hooker with a heart of gold. What kind? Solid gold. Solid gold. Okay, keep going. And so her prostitute gimmick is she mm-hmm. dresses like Princess Di and goes by the name Princess. Oh, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> eh, this is like so long before anyone should have cared about her. But like, was she dead at the time? No, or was it? This is, oh, she no, was still. This is yeah. She's well. She was well. Oh, okay, well, that's point. in that's and in it's good and it's super then. subtle because they just call her princess, but like it's like based on yeah. her clothes and her hair and makeup. You're like, oh, I see what they're doing there. And she like does not dress like a. Like, she's not dressed the same way that the other uh, the other I sex understand. workers, the street workers are dressed. She's dressed like a lady, which she's like, oh, she's more of like an escort then. Like she she yeah. should be getting driven around, not Julia walking walking the streets. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, in this movie picture, we have the uh, the Vice Squad. Uh, they're they're on the case on was it Sunset Boulevard, cleaning up the mm-hmm. the streets, picking on Johns and picking on prostitutes, all oh, bringing mm-hmm. them back to the, the the station, booking them, all that sort of stuff. And then Ramrod, one of the girls, runs afoul of Ramrod. He takes his pimp stick. Uh, which mm-hmm. is his uh, coat hanger, and he does a number on her so bad that she dies. What do you mean? Oh, he does all sorts of things that one could do with a uh, coat hanger. RJ, she she bleeds like in the she, suck lane. She 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 bleeds to death. She dies, and then uh, the the mm-hmm. cop he tries to flip princess to get her to cooperate. He shows her her dead her friend's dead body, and she's like, oh, God, I'll help you, I'll help you. And, like, within the first half hour, they've busted Ramrod, and he's going off to jail. But Wingshauser, he's not like regular criminals, and he just fucks these cops up and escapes from the police cruiser, gets his handcuffs off, uh, calls in some favors, gets some guns, and he's on the hunt to find Princess and get his revenge before the night is through. And uh, what else happens? 
Um, I don't know, just your uh, 80s urban blight sleazy stuff. It's mm-hmm. fine. Wings Hauser's pretty good in this. Like he's th- like absolutely the highlight. Everyone else is just like it's very melodramatic and uh the acting's generally pretty bad. There's mm-hmm. uh the the hotel manager from Ghostbusters shows up in this as a limo driver for a a weirdo pervert. A what now? A weirdo pervert. He's he's, okay. he's not just a regular pervert. He's like into some weird perverse things. What kind of stuff? Uh, pretending like, that he's like dead in a ca- casket and, uh, the woman comes down in a wedding gown, like they're going to get married and then she comes down, but it's actually a funeral. And then he jumps up and terrorizes her. And yeah, that's apparently that, that floats his boat. Um, you asked, I mean, that's your, that's on you, dude. No. Yeah. It's not. I, I mean, I was curious. So he would have, he'd have an orange bandana that just meant anything goes, right? Or a black one. What does black mean? I don't know. Maybe it means that. No. Oh, uh, I've looked. I think black means uh, S&M or bondage. Oh, that's it, huh? Yeah. One of S&M and bondage. One's black and one's silver. Okay. I mean, but one is gold. One's got. If you oh. know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, See, if I just called this. Yeah. Is adequate shitima stuff. Nothing, sure. nothing, nothing too special to write home about. It, it, you could watch it with the uh, street walking. What kind of uh, the movie street walking? Uh, yeah. What about street walkers? I haven't seen that one. I think it's on Prime. Or is that street walker? Street walking. Street walking. Who fucking knows, man? These movies. You want to talk about cruising again? Uh, I could talk about Leave No Trace. Oh, why'd you watch that? I don't know. It's on Netflix, right? Yep. That got our boy Ben Foster in it. it sure does. Well, your boy. I well, you don't him. like Ben Foster? I, I could, I could take him or leave him. He's not. Yeah, he's a no. Note. Where would you take him? I don't know. On a date. Okay, well, that's go to the, nice. Go, of go you. to like Montana's or something. Go to Montana. Where yeah. in Montana, no, man? Mo- I've been the, there. The, the, the restaurant. Oh, you would go to Montana's. Yeah, maybe uh, the keg. You know, Moxie's. What do you think you would eat at Montana's if you took Ben Foster? He, he would just drink mojitos. Man. Get some sliders. I, I'm liking them more already. No. Ben, take Ben Foster to Montana's. That should be a Patreon goal. If we, how much do you think we would have to raise to get Ben Foster here <laughs> to go to Montana's and drink mojitos with well, us? I've heard that it costs fifty thousand dollars to get Neil Gaiman to come to speak at your library. So, <laughs> but Neil Gaiman, yeah. So but what, he's what, all about what, books and libraries. You'd think he'd do it for free. Yeah, he's also about money. Oh, one of those types, eh? I mean, I don't know why people do that and try to promote themselves. Not like me when I'm drinking the fresh, refreshing taste of Pepsi. That's some pretty watered-down Pepsi. It's Pepsi Crystal, you nerd. What? You remember Pepsi Crystal? Why are you... What? It's not Pepsi Crystal. What? You're so so full of shit. So how was Leave No Trace? Um... I ran into an issue the day that I watched this movie that probably it sidetracked me. There was some things happening online uh, in in our real world, RJ, and they uh, they they were occupying me. And I was trying to watch this this quiet little movie. I will say that uh, the girl in this, uh, Mm -hmm. Thomasin McKenzie of New Zealand, she's really good. I expect big things from her. Big things. Cool. Yeah. She was good. Uh, do you know the B 
beats of this movie? Do you know what it's all about? Uh, I watched the. Uh, hmm, oh, yeah. I watched the uh, twenty second bumper on uh, Netflix where they try to bang up that uh, truck driver. They're not banging him up. They're trying to just get a ride. Well, they, oh, oh, I thought they were gonna steal the truck. No, they're just trying to get out of getting out of uh, horrible whatever Oregon, wherever they're at, whatever park they're sleeping in. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, Ben Foster. He's a PTSD dad. Okay. And uh, he's got his daughter. Their um, mom's dead or something. And uh, they're living off in the woods because he can't handle things. And so right. they're, they're kind of trying to keep their existence secret by leaving. No trace. And uh, they fail. They, no they, trace. The, 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 they run out of time. Things... the. <laughs> Wait, is there people looking for them? No, they just get stumbled upon. That they're like brought in, and there's questionnaires, and there's the trying to get them uh, square up their lives. And uh, he dad doesn't take well to it, so they go on the run again, and with no trace. And that's what this is one of those movies. It's 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 a drama. No trace. No trace. (laughs) It's fine. I don't know. Some people, I think I've seen some people really like this. Most people kind of are like fine with it because I don't think it doesn't, it doesn't do anything you haven't seen before. I I, I don't know if there's like hundreds of these movies that come out every year about men who try to live in the woods with their daughters because they can't handle life. I don't know if that's a popular thing, but I know there's that Captain Fantastic with uh, Vigo from uh, a couple years ago. Oh, and there's like written. And there's that other one that, but it's like more of like a sci-fi movie into the forest with Ellen Page. There's like there's there's been a theme of uh, living in the woods movies of late. Well, that Captain Fantastic, I watched that. It's not a bad show. It was a uh, who's that dude? Matt Ross. He's the guy who wrote and directed it. You know him from American Psycho. Well, do I? Uh, you might. He's Lewis Carruthers. Um, he's also Loomis in Face Off. Do you remember now? <sighs> Anyways, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Captain Fantastic was pretty good. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all I have to add. I, I, I say it's good. no Brigsby Bear, RJ. Brigsby Bear's fucking out of this world. <laughs> it's almost as good as cruising. Almost. Do you think we'd ever get a cruising crossover with a Brigsby Bear type? Mm. Whereas, like the hardcore BDSM of cruising, but with the wholesome values and positive themes of a Brigsby Bear. With fisting? Uh, yeah? Oh, just guys just getting blowjobs. Just off in the back. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. Nipple play. Mm, no. Whoa, guys singing like weird nursery rhymes. I'm here. You're here. You're here. We're here. You already do that. Sometimes yeah, Jarrett leaves me voicemails, and they're very upsetting. I got this Godzilla soundbite <laughs> that Jarrett sent me. If any patrons out there want on on this, let me know. I'll send it to you. I, it I, is, or you can send that money to me. I've got it. I've got that. It RJ. is extremely upsetting. Since I made it for you, <laughs> I know you did. But I, uh, I it, just well, when we hit uh, spine one thousand, we'll finally be able to bust it out. <laughs> Well, I hope we're alive in 20 years when we get there, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. And then we'll, s- then we'll spend like two months doing that that spine. 
Oh, fuck. How long is that going <laughs> to Two months, I guess. Yeah. You said it. Hey, RJ. Yes. You got any news? I feel like there was something that happened, but... Uh, How about... Did you know Arrow uh, Video released Cruisin' on Blu-ray this week? I've heard. I've heard. Okay. How about what? Uh, that Breaking Bad Netflix movie that we've mm-hmm. all been demanding. I'm... I'm sure it'll be good. No, but, uh, that, I don't know, man. You, you, you know how I feel about these. I, as I always going say, going back quote, to the well. To quote Stephen King, "Dead is better." We don't. I remember what happened with Arrested Development. Everybody, everybody wanted it back. I wanted it back. I wanted more. Guess what happened? They brought it back. But Twin Peaks happened too. Yeah, and see, that's the. But that's the only one. That's like the one gem in like a mound of shit. Well, Most other me, I, re- I, or revivals see, aren't great. And I still haven't watched that uh, Deadwood movie thing. Well, alternatively, Jarrett, you know what had a revival on Netflix a year or two ago? The Gilmore Girls. I'm saying the, but Gilmore Girls had a four one-hour episode revival uh like 10 years after the show or so or maybe not like five yeah like 10 years and that was good i remember watching that does uh the gilmore girls ever address the hanky code it gets brought up actually there like there's a lot of movie talk on uh gilmore gilmore girls uh lots of criterion movies there's a lot of letterboxed lists of all the films talked about on gilmore girls uh and uh some of the movies on there, Jarrett, might surprise you. Gilmore Girls Film Club. What do we got here? Uh, Citizen Kane. Gaslight. Ooh. And that was like 10 years ago before. That was a big thing. From Here to Eternity. Brigadoon. More like Brigadote. Don't. Am I right? Cool Hand Luke. Your favorite movie, Billy Jack. Benji. Hey, look, Jarrett. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Was discussed on... Gilmore Girls. Hmm. Oh, Grey Gardens? They actually showed a scene of Grey Gardens. Remember that Criterion film that we watched? Yep. You ever heard of Fatso? 1980 film by Anne Bancroft. Yeah. Yes. That, with with, with uh, Dom DeLuise. That's on Gilmore Girls. Fascinating. This is a pretty amazing list. I'm going to send it your way. I think you might get a lot out of no. this. What do you mean, no? Have no. you ever seen Fatso? No, I just, I just discovered the movie though. I just I came across it recently because I was watching uh, Anne Bancroft in The Graduate, and I was like, "What I else has she done?" Cool. And I saw she directed a movie, and I'm like, "What did she direct?" Fatso. Fatso. It's it's a potential sad bastard candidate. Uh, I would imagine. What is a uh, American Gigolo by Paul Schrader? Yeah, with Richard. So the guy Gere. who did Mad About You. Richard Gere. From Mad About You. And. It's got some uh, some blondie in there too. Oh, doesn't? So, are you interested now with all these hot no, movie? No. Why would I watch? Why would I ever watch that show, RJ? What about Chanel? She did that, and she's like, "Oh." When I told her that you're rewatching again, she's like, "But why?" You guys got no. You got no uh, spirit. You got no spunk. She's too busy uh, watching unsolved mysteries. Oh well, that's a pretty cool show too, though. Mm-hmm. Hey, coming home. Remember that? Hey, your favorite. Uh, yeah, what? How about that? All those D twenty three announcements. Oh, all that Disney shit. Yeah, 
about that? Huh? I so I was gone this weekend, but I I like I would come back to my phone every couple hours, or like at the end of the day, and I was like scrolling for the announcements, and I was like, okay, all right, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm over the Star Wars stuff, so none of that re- excites me at all. Um, fuck, what else was there? Even that was it, wasn't it? Oh, like, there's Marvel the, shit, the Eternals. That looks fucking ridiculous to me. Like that looks so lame. It's, I don't it's, know. It's, it's almost like it's going to be the Inhumans all over again. All over again. But this one's got Angelina Jolie. Yeah. And to my reply is, who gives a shit? Like it looks laughable. That fucking movie. I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe everyone's it, going to be it's like, definitely oh, it's... those costumes or something. The but costumes you know are maybe it'll, and... it'll be another like Guardians of the Galaxy where everyone's gonna be like, "Whoa, they they have the touch; they can turn anything into gold, except for the ones that we ignore." Yeah, I'm sure. And also, I'm sure TV? it'll have like a you... 98 okay. percent when it comes out. What about but... this? What about this TV shit though? Okay. Which oh the all, Disney all Plus the, shows? all the shows that are announcing? And I'm like, oh, do people really care about these TV shows? I mean, other than like, I'm sure the Mandalorian will get people pretty Jones because yeah. I mean, everyone's gonna be like, "Where's Werner Herzog?" Yeah. Fuck yeah. But, uh, Where is Werner Herzog? He's a Sith Lord. Yeah. So. Uh, what were the other shows announced? Like WandaVision, who cares? Uh, Obi-Wan. Everyone pretends like they want an Obi-Wan show. <laughs> I know that's like a Reddit thing. Uh, I don't know if people actually want that. <laughs> I guess. Like, do you know what I mean? There's, there's all these things. It's like, these are like popular on the internet. Like Shrek is really popular on the internet too. But like when they, when a new Shrek movie comes out, It'll probably do really well because of all the internet fame. But it's like, do people really want a Shrek movie, or is this just like internet hype? Uh, internet, internet, internet stuff. Yeah. See, I can. These things were announced like not even five days ago, and I couldn't even fucking tell you what was all announced. I was. Elite. Did you see Netflix uh, really uh, pulled the pin on uh, Scorsese's The Irishman? Why? Well, not pulled. Well, they said it was going to have a wide theatrical review uh, release, and yeah. now they're like, "Nah, we're just going to put it in like two theaters for a week, and then it'll uh, go on Netflix." Hmm. I don't know why anyone thought any different, even though they said they're like, "Yeah, this is going to happen." It's, it's like, not like Rome. So they're gonna, they're just going to do the Roma thing, get that, yeah. get that uh, theatrical screening, and then go. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Maybe it stinks. Maybe you stink. Are you going to watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show? What do you think? What about Loki and She-Hulk? <sighs> and like, Mrs. Marvel? Nobody this shit nobody wants to watch this on TV. I mean, I I'm sorry, I shouldn't say no one cuz obviously people do, but Yeah. Like the shelf life, like look at the the Netflix Marvel shows. Everyone was like hot on Daredevil and mm-hmm. then it completely died out to a point where no one cared like the the binging thing. It just Nobody petered out. Cares. I mean, what would maybe save these things would be if they're short seasons. Well, like, they they are going to be weekly re- releases, hey. So I don't know if that's going to make a difference, but people might uh, just wait till they're done. Then, yep. Uh no, people won't be able to fucking help wow. themselves. Some you know, some some people won't. Actually, but, I just but those, but those are the same people who are probably like watching uh, that Agents of Shields show still. Oh yeah, or, or, like, yeah those, I can't believe that that types? thing's in like season nine. It's well, ridiculous. It's, it's like any of the CW shows for DC. Like I, I can't believe that people are still watching yeah. Arrow. Like that's. Well, I mean, I guess uh, Smallville was on forever. So mm-hmm. that had ten seasons. Yeah. I just uh, saw the one show that I actually think would be interesting is Moon Knight. 
depending on who, who uh, made it. How about but, Keanu Reeves? <laughs> yeah, that's the obvious thing. You know what they should do? They should get fucking Whoopi Goldberg to play Moon Knight, really throw a curveball in there. <laughs> and that's when I would be, I'd step up and then say, stand back. Mm-hmm. I'll deliver this baby you'd and I'll direct the, that. You'd start the, uh, the Moon Knight subreddit? Me and Bill Duke can direct Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act 3, Moon Knight, because she's on the run now because the mob's after her again. Hmm. What do you think? Are you interested? That's not contrived at all. <laughs> I uh, I find that offensive. <laughs> Friendo. Enough is enough. Yeah, end we're, it. We're done here. Sure. After the break. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are you scratching over there? Stuff. Ugh. After the break, um, I don't know. Cruising. Cruising? Nah. In the Criterion Collection by Francois Truffaut. <laughs> How about uh, last good Ferris Bueller's day off after the break? <laughs> sure. De nos amours, que reste-t-il de ces beaux jours Une photo, vieille photo de ma jeunesse. 
Que reste-t-il des billets doux des mois d'avril And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about part one, RJ, of the adventures uh, of Antoine Donnell. <sighs> Let me read, uh, what, what is this you say? You didn't ask. I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> what is this box set? Well, what does Criterion.com have to say? The release of Francois Truffaut's The 400 Blows in 1959 shook world cinema to its foundations. The now classic portrait of troubled adolescence introduced a major new director in the cinematic landscape and was an inaugural gesture of the revolutionary French New Wave. But The 400 bla- Blows the Blaze <laughs> did not only introduce the world to its precocious director. It also unveiled his indelible creation, Antoine Donnell. Initially mm. patterned closely after Truffaut himself, the Donnell character, played by the irrepressible and iconic Jean-Pierre Lude, reappeared in four subsequent films that knowingly portrayed his myriad frustrations and romantic entanglements from his stormy teens through marriage, children, divorce, and adulthood. With the adventures of Antoine Donnell, Criterion is proud to present Truffaut's celebrated saga in its entirety. The feature films, The 400 Blows, Stolen Kisses, Bed and Board, and Love on the Run, and the 1962 short subject, Antoine Collette, in a special edition five-disc box set. Wow, this is exactly what I've always wanted, Jarrett. I've always said I want more Antoine Donnell. So this big fatty of a box set. Uh-huh. It's spine 185. We're cracking it open here. But okay. before we dive into that shit, <sighs> I, I I figured, you know, hey, uh let's revisit that 400 blows. And you know what, RJ? Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize this till I was writing out my notes. Uh it has been 3 years and 1 week since we released our episode on the 400 blows. Way back. Three years in one week. Yes. It, three, How did you plan that out, dude? I, I I didn't at all. I didn't even know. And here we are. It's been that wow. long since we recorded episode five. Episode five, RJ. Wow. And here we are at 162. Do you think we're just as sharp as when we started? Or do you think we're starting to get old and lazy with uh, these podcasting things? Because, I mean, that 400 Blows episode is one of our most frequently commented on because <laughs> of... Uh, particular opinions and uh, i mean i don't know if we've ever been able to get that back mm, you know what i mean yeah cap recapture the magic yeah 400 blows yeah well that's pretty and that's a pretty neat coincidence here it's real neat and what well, even neater is that uh the day i watched or rewatched 400 blows it had ex- been exactly three years since i watched it so you're doing this intentionally. No. You're a weird dude then. It's exact to the day. It was like August 25th you watch or something like that. And I was all like, your I movies looked in I, weird cyclical fashion. Maybe. Our, our lives are not our own, RJ. Well, actually. This is, this is absolute proof of that, I think. Actually, <laughs> I did notice that uh, from when I first watched Cruising to when I just watched Cruising was four years coincidence i think not man there you go i think not so it's the same thing right oh yeah 400 blows 400 blows 1959 400 blows one of your all-time favorite titles off Mm -hmm. often referenced 
Uh, so here's a redux. Uh, this is the, this is a first for us too, where uh, we'll talk a little bit, a little bit about uh, a rewatch of a movie that we've already covered. But mm-hmm. it, we, maybe we've grown and matured as individuals in three years uh, of watching a Criterion movie or five every maybe. single week for three years. Maybe uh, palettes have changed. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so I found rewatching this movie, uh, I, I paid far more attention to it or it seemed like things seemed a little bit clearer, mm-hmm. uh, rewatching it. And yeah, I mean, I think I like it more cause I remember, okay. So Interesting. I, 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 I remember, uh, talking about and laying out a lot of the groundwork for what the French new wave was back in that mm-hmm. episode. So I, I hung a lot of that on that. But I do remember being kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It's not the most interesting movie or something along those lines. Uh, but then watching it this time, I was like, after maybe seeing maybe some of the worst films that the Criterion Collections has and like seeing a lot more Which movies. Which ones were those? Uh, people can figure it out. They can they can, okay. they can dig it up themselves. So yeah, like watching it this time out, uh, there's a lot of things that click and you're like, yeah, this is really good stuff. This is a, mm-hmm. a, a very nice little movie. But I, the whole time I was also thinking at times, I'm like, I wonder what RJ is going to think about this movie now. I was I was mm-hmm. very like curious uh, more than anything else. Sure, but I was also so also because uh, the the reputation that the four hundred blows has uh, this, on this podcast. Uh, I'm like, oh, we're we're going to be watching like a whole bunch more uh, adventures of this particular character, alleged a, a, a little this little alleged Ant- character, a little Antoine, this little fellow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm fine with that. I, I've had no reservations or like anything like that. I'm like, yeah, cool. I, I'll get these movies mm-hmm. uh, watched. That's that's a nice excuse to do it. So sure. I'm curious, RJ. Uh, yes. what, what did you think of your uh, rewatch of The 400 Blows, a movie that you once described as Ferris Bueller? Yes. Less good, less good Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Uh, I maintain this is 100% less good Ferris Bueller. Uh, yeah, I begrudgingly rewatched the 400 blows and I think as all folklore and legends go, they tend to inflate over time, Jared. Do you, do you follow what I mean? So my infamous hot take on the 400 blows many years, three years ago to be exact, I think has grown into something more than it is. It's greater than the sum of its parts. Do you understand what I'm saying, Jerem? Are you saying that you are maybe one who exaggerates for effect? I've never said anything of the sort. But I also don't want to mess around with continuity. So I feel like I would be playing around with my own format if I were to say anything different on the 400 (laughs) bullets. So, uh, (laughs) 400 blows... Um, okay, so I, I rewatched this and I actually, same as you, I gave it more attention, I think, than I did the first time. Not like that I wasn't watching it before, but this time I was really like, all right, all you fucking people out there, all you bitches, all you stupid nerds who give me such a hard time because I didn't like the 400 blows. I was like, I'll watch your precious movie, but only, only because I have to. 
Savo never comes up again. Walkabout and the Night Porter never come up again. I will never rewatch those movies. Until the uh, Spine Into, 1200, the fuck pack comes out. The fuck pack. <laughs> where Salo, Cruisin', and uh, the Roseanne movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. If, it's, if it resurfaces naturally, I'll rewatch them, but never again. So I rewatched this movie with my with my critic eyes on because I was like, I'll, I'll give this movie its rightful due, but only – because of all of the annoying, pretentious people out there that give me shit for not liking this movie. And I got to say, Jarrett, I still think they're completely out to fucking lunch. I think this movie's way overrated. However, I will say this. I think I did enjoy it more this time. Uh, I think I got a little bit more out of it, and I'll tell you why. But uh, my, my biggest thing with this is that it seems like the... I, th- I think this falls in the Fight Club category where the fans of this movie ruined the movie for me because like and that wasn't even the case at first. I think at first I was like, yeah, it's not that good, whatever. And then I was attacked by so many people. They're like, it is. Do you not know the Marquet de Saint? You don't know about French New Wave? It's the most influential movie of all time. And it's like, all right, fucking relax. All right. Just relax. Whatever. Um it's better than I remembered it. Uh, I actually think the first half of the movie is pretty good. Uh, I like, I like, and I like him when he's at school and with his family, which is the first half of the movie and like kind of the dynamic they have. Uh, but there, I, I think there's still a lot of issues with it. So the movie, I think, totally derails for me when he leaves his house and he stays at his friend's house. I think I get nothing out of that. I think the movie from that point on is kind of uninteresting uh, and there's not much there. And then the movie itself, I have some problems uh, with the way it's kind of laid out where, so you have the parents and at first you have the dad is more sympathetic and the mom is kind of like mean to him. And then you have the role reversal and I know what you're saying. It's like, well, it's because the son caught her. But that's not the case because after he saw her, she was still shitty to him and the dad was nice. But then they're, they they change still afterwards that. And I think it's kind of like – I think it's a little bit unwarranted where it's like, yeah, people can get to – like the dad's point is like I've had enough. I've had, I'm at my breaking point. But then the mom like has a complete flip. And I'm kind of like, I feel like this is out of nowhere. And I think this is a problem I have with Truffaut in general where I'll get to it in the next two things. But I think he doesn't always really know where he's going with something. And it seems like uh, it seems like he's got too much stuff that he wants to do. And it kind of muddles things up a little bit and it confuses his message. So I that's kind of vague, but I'll, I'll get to that afterwards. But I think it starts in the 400 blows where there's a few things that get lost in what he's trying to say. So all that said, I like him with the, at the school. I like his initial dynamic with his parents. Uh, I like the little subtle poverty, subtle poverty nods and like how they kind of explore that. But then there's also like weird things. It's like, Oh man, those darn kids, they're so bad whenever the teacher turns his back. And it's like, yeah, I know this was like 50 fucking years ago. It's probably what it was like, but then you get, 
there's things like the weird voiceover memories where it's it's like the teacher scolding him and he's just like kind of thinking about it again. I get that too, but I think it's corny. Uh, you have Hooded Justice, uh, the Watchmen character, uh, is the the classmate who goes and rats on like rats on him all the time. I was kind of I know that those people exist too, but I thought that character was kind of goofy. Um, kids in cages, just like today. I still think that the zoom in close up at the end is completely laughable. Uh, I don't think that's people are like it's the greatest final frame ever. It's like no, it's not. It's <laughs> it's goofy. It's dumb. So I will say this movie is better than when I first watched it. I think the first half is actually pretty good, uh, and then it when he goes off on his own to his friend's house, that's where it really loses me. Um, so I don't know. I'm still I'm still pretty warm on it. I like it more than I did originally, but I'm still going to continue to shit on this thing just to uh, to flex on to, to really uh, pr- uh, prove your point to prove my point that uh, my only point is I think people just need to relax, relax. People make fun of my favorite movies all the time. I don't go online and like write aggressive reviews to other people to show that I'm mad. If you like it, whatever. I don't care. But I just I don't think. It is this landmark film that everyone makes it out to be. When it, and they're always like, oh, the context to it. I looked into it. <laughs> you did? I, still, I looked into it, yeah, because yeah, yeah. of all these people. You looked into it. What, what, did, what, into what, what did looking into it consist of? I'm I curious. did a Google search once oh, wow, and I read okay. the Wikipedia oh, I see. I see. <laughs> I know. I, I know this. You explained it to me before. Like all that, like the French cinema stuff, whatever. I think I think cruising is more influential than this movie is. I think it's hard to recognize the influence of this movie because it it changed sure. so much that like you see movies like this now, and you're like, oh, that movie's not a good example of that. But it's like, well, this is a movie that laid the groundwork for everything that you watch now. Like Spieler? like uh, the Sandlot, RJ. I no, I no, I get it too. Like yeah. I I understand it's. It's like the life of this scampy kid, and he—he's always, he he's always just getting dumped on. No matter what he does, he's the one who gets in trouble. And then you have like the friend that's kind of like this—the weird kid that I don't know. I think everyone grew up with like there's that one kid who seems to be like his parents are like somehow kind of weirdly rich and like, mm-hmm. but, but it's really strange and they have like taxidermy animals in their house it's like I never had that specific experience but I had like weird kids that you're like huh how does their life exist but you know it's like kind of there's an illusion to it and like the kid mm-hmm. seems to be able to transport to like the countryside when need be he's just kind of there and you're like oh that's that's kind of cool that's a good to have a friend like that in your life and then you have uh, the parents who it's yeah, like it, it is kind of like a strange swinging relationship between like how uh, a parent might view you one moment to the next because they have whatever their own shit going on in their lives. And yeah, and exactly, and that's what I mean too. It's like I know that that happens. Like people, people swing either way on like day to day on how they feel about stuff, and like certain things can change their opinions. I get it. Like I get all of that. I'm just drawing attention to it. Yeah. And like I know what you mean. Like. I do think that some of the scampy kid stuff is done well. It's like, yeah, that's totally what kids are like. So I like, I think that all of that's fine. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's my my main point is, it's like I think people need to relax a little bit. <laughs> well, that goes for a lot of things. That goes for a lot of things. But like, so I. I, I buried the lead because of my character that I play for this podcast. But like, I do actually, I think the first half of this movie is pretty good. 
it just I think it loses steam as soon as he's well when, uh, when, when, when he's out friend. when he goes like goes to lockup and uh, he's he's even like, before that I think well, it no does, but, that, but no that point I like though I, I like when he's in lockup and stuff like yeah the that. lockups and, like, cool. it's the has, half an hour in between lockup and the start of the movie yeah. or like that <laughs> when the, the whole time with his friend uh, Renee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I don't I don't really like that stuff. Or they're, still, they're, they're stealing hang- the keyboard or the typewriter. Yeah, I think that's whatever. And it, again, it's like, yeah, I get it. Kids do dumb shit. I did dumb shit. Mm-hmm. I get it, man. I never stole a typewriter, but I don't. And like, yeah, the, the characters are quirky where like they have all those cats in the room with the taxidermied horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like, yeah, like when I was watching, I was like, that's cool. But uh, the everything going on around it. I don't care that much about. It's not bad. The first half of this movie is good, and the last like ten minutes is good. But uh, I, I think it just really like there. There's just a real dip for me, and where I get bored, and I'm like, four hundred blows. Am I right? Yeah. It's okay though. I, I I I'll say this. I liked it more this time than I thought I was going to. Well, because I went in full on with just raw hatred. <laughs> It's your rational. Hey, maybe you should take your own advice, RJ, and like you know, take it Just easy. Relax. I'm trying relax. to. That's what I'm saying. It's that's that's my point where it's like, yeah, it's not bad. I think the first half is pretty good. I just after that, whatever. So RJ, yes, three years after 400 blows, uh-huh. Truffaut comes along with this 30 minute sliver of a short film that belongs to this like larger anthology story that I think it was made for TV or something like that. I'm not quite clear on what this is. It was like a something called Love at 20 from 1962. And yeah, this I was, was confused when the title came up too, and I was like, what? Yeah, it's 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 a, a part of a larger thing. And so this is like, yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it picks up where 400 Blows left off. You even get like a little wrap up of like what happened after that mm-hmm. he got he got rearrested. <laughs> you got, sure you sure do. Yeah, and Antoine Collette in 1962. He got picked up. But uh, he, he eventually a uh, a good psychiatrist came along and saw a promise in this kid. He's like, yeah, you got what it takes. And uh, they kind of got him out of the, the juvenile delinquency kind of program of whatever France would have had in the, the era. And uh, mm-hmm. they, got, they got him straight. He's like 17 years old. He's living on his own. He's working for Phillips, uh, putting uh, vinyl into sleeves. He's, mm-hmm. he's living the life, you know? I do know. Yep. He's still, I do know. He's still friends with his buddy uh, Rene, and uh, who's uh, trying to get uh, getting good with his cousin. Mm-hmm. She's, he likes her. He likes her with long hair, you know, and short hair. Yeah, uh, I'd be remiss to not, of course, read the synopsis from Letterboxd. And there's a tagline somehow. Will Colette ultimately fall for Antoine's romanticism? Is that what it's called? Now aged 17, Antoine Donnell mm. works in a factory which makes records. At a music concert, he meets a girl his own age, Colette, and falls in love with her. Later, Antoine goes to extraordinary lengths to please his new girlfriend and her parents, but Colette still only regards him as a casual friend. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So this is like, I mean, it's a short, it's a little uh, short film. Uh, sure. So it just sets up all these little things. There's the flashbacks to like the good old days of 400 blows, hanging out, <laughs> smoking grandpa's cigars or, or dad. I'm not sure. It seems to be like dad and grandpa all at the same time. It's dad 
dad paw. dad paw yeah your dad yeah. paw your weird old dad paw and mm-hmm. uh hijinks thinking back to the old days what kind of high what kind of jinx high okay right yeah and then yes. uh, then things get kind of going with uh antoine's uh first mm, relationship attempted relationship attempted it's yeah. probably so he's, so he's at a concert and he looks over and he sees uh, a nice pair of gams of what? Sorry, legs. What does he do afterwards, Jarrett? He keeps looking at them, and then he starts like making eye mm. contact, and there's some but awkward back and forth. He uh, he starts making a point of being mm. places where Colette's going to be. What's that called today? It's it's called romance, RJ. It's romancing. Is that stuff. what it is? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, it's, I had a different there, feeling. There, there's about a what he was there, sometimes. Doing, but... Sometimes it's what we call working through the no. Working through the no. Yeah. What What does the no mean, Jared? Does the no mean yes? Well, the the means the no means you got to try harder. Right. Is that how you got your uh, your spouse and partner? No, because that's no? Usually, that's not how that usually plays out. So, so that's not romance then. Well, Continue. It's it's uh it's something. It's not reciprocated. Uh-huh. Okay. So anyway, I I I like this a lot. I I thought this really? was, yeah, I I like this quite a bit. I th- I think this okay. actually at this point is the, one of the highlights of the uh the Antoine story. Um okay. I I found this was like a really good depiction of awkward romance that, that I've sure. seen because there's like the thing where they're like looking at her legs and like kind of like this weird kind of like gazing back and forth in a dark space. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, huh. Yeah, usually they uh, they cut corners and then suddenly people are just like meeting cute and they just get along famously and then they just move along. This is not that. This is kind of mm-hmm. like, oh no, there's like a a gearing up of, uh, of Antoine following her at a discreet thing, keeping an eye on, on her at various concerts, making a point of hanging out at concerts. Oh, maybe she's going to be there. Oh, there she is. And he keeps like mm-hmm. making his way closer and closer toward Colette. And then finally, uh, the, the, the moment happens and he strikes like a, like a predator on his prey. <laughs> How does he strike Jarrett? Uh, doesn't he just start talking to her? I, I don't know. And then, Does they, he? And then he starts, you know, walking her home. Sometimes she walks him home and she's just like, oh, cool. We're friends. But Antoine doesn't see it that way. Antoine thinks he's part he's, he's doing this uh, elaborate uh, dance of the mating ritual, shaking hands and, uh, oh, mm-hmm. hey, when, when are you going to get together and do this next thing? Ah, ah, splendid. And, but he thinks he's like, this is all part of it. This is all how it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. He meets her parents they get along famously they love this nice neat man this young man who's got a job and it's like oh he'd make a wonderful wonderful uh boyfriend and husband to our daughter oh he's so lovely he's great why don't you like this kid but she's mm-hmm. kind of like oh yeah no i'm busy sometimes and oh yeah maybe I'll, maybe i'll be around there maybe might a lot of phone calls and then uh soon enough antoine's taking the next big leap of hey I'm going to move into an apartment down the street from you. Like barely down the street. Is that the, the next logical move? That's the next logical move for Antoine. Got to pack up my stuff, walk, haul, haul ass across town, which again, like I, I love that scene because it's just like, he's got all this shit hanging off of him. Every, mm-hmm. every part of his, uh, uh, his personal belongings, just walking around with them all. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, look at this! I moved in right across the street from you." <laughs> what a what a crazy coincidence! And they're this like, is. "Oh, hey, this is great! This is oh, wonderful!" Boy. And then, and then uh, Antoine and Colette—they have uh, you know—they're hanging out, but she's not available all the time. And then she mm-hmm. kind of like begrudgingly goes to another thing with them, and he just like just starts putting on the moves, just like some real. Uh, <laughs> predatorial pause and hey we should we should start kissing right now there's no preamble to this and she's like mm-hmm. nope shut down and then they have that awkward mm-hmm. moment and he gets up and leaves and but then of course she does the thing that often happens in these situations where she feels bad and she goes over what's the problem what's wrong it's like whoa man it's just like this uh they just feed into one another this, uh, this this situation. Oh yeah, because now she wants to smooth things over, and it's like sometimes there's no smoothing those things over. It's just sure. it's, it's it's a dead deal, and uh, so she invites him over. Hey, like, and I know you don't really want to come, but my parents would like to see you. And he's like, Oh yeah, sure, I'll come and do that. And he shows up, and it's real awkward. Oh, why don't you guys hang out tonight? No, it's uh, we're busy. Haha, <laughs> because they're trying to be polite. And then mm-hmm. Colette's. Uh, boyfriend shows up or her dude and it's like ooh harsh uh huh yeah what else happens though um what what else happens RJ I, I... well I call this the Duncan approach mm. uh I when you read that this was the romanticism <laughs> yeah I I can see I, I see some merit to what you said about how this is probably what a lot of people do on a regular basis. And maybe it is nice to see creepy stalker, weirdo dude, Antoine Donnell walking around. Cause there's a lot of weirdo dudes creeping around, sniffing on girls, watching them play with their hair and stuff. Like he does a lot in this movie, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get what you mean. I get what you mean, Jerry. I know what you mean. There's a Uh, a lot of pining that I think exists. There's a lot of pining. Yeah, so this one was, um, this one had a lot of that. This was also the one where I came to the, like, just the revolutionary realization that the French love fruit because (laughs) fruit is present at every meal, and it's in the next movie, too. Dudes are just always eating fruit. They're like spreading cheese on it. Is that a French thing or is that maybe like how people actually ate more healthy back in like another decade and they're not just eating granola bars and chips and ice cream? Maybe, maybe maybe it's just like every dinner was followed up by fruit. Is that what you mean? Not to be body shaming here, but I didn't didn't really Uh, see a whole lot of fat people in this. It seems like everybody seems to be living. Wow. Other than the the packs of smokes that they're uh, inhaling daily, um, they seem to be like. They didn't know that was bad yet though. Oh, I see. Yeah, well, I, it's a good point. I mean, fruit is probably a cheap alternative to chocolate cake. Uh, <laughs> you remember that commercial where it was in Canada? I don't know if it was anywhere else where it was the acne commercial. And that guy was like, some people think I eat too many chocolate bars or I just don't wash my face. <laughs> do you remember that one? I do. Yeah, yeah. See, you you get it. So maybe it was just that. Maybe they couldn't afford any chocolate bars. Um I just noticed there's a lot of fruit in here. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was just uh, a different time. Yeah, it's probably cheaper. It's but... kind of like the depiction of like most love stories, RJ, uh, mm-hmm. especially in these antiquated eras. What have fruit? No, and have this like stalker quality. 
I guess. Yeah, yeah. sure. You ever seen Cruisin'? That's got kind of a stalker quality. Well, yeah, it's all, it's all about Big Al, just just on the case. Just on the case. Um, yes, I understand what you mean. Actually, Andrea tries to make me eat fruit all the time for dessert, and I'm always like, get out of here with that shit. Push her over and yell at her a little bit. Hmm. It's just no response. He he gets it. Uh, actually, Andrew made this chocolate cake that had zucchini in it. It was crazy. You ever had any of that? Is that even chocolate cake? Isn't that a zucchini cake? Actually, it, you know, you ever have those chocolate muffins from Costco? Yep. That's ex- that's what it tasted like. Yeah, I, that's what zucchini I, cake tastes like. I knew immediately there was zucchini in there, but I, I'm, I'm so fat, I just wanted to eat it anyways. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, Antoine and Colette. Uh, so part of the my part of my discussion about this is a little bit a little bit biased from the next one because I thought this one I thought in the next movie this one's inclusion was a little confusing because I think for two reasons where in the next one they either recast the family or they have a different family that he like walks into and then they have the Colette character walk by, right? So I was like confused. That's what happens, right? Uh, But he's like, he like gets out and then he's just like with another family having dinner with them. Okay. Yeah. So like I I found that confusing because at first I was like, did they recast them? But then he passes Colette, right? She's got a baby. Is that? Yes. So then I was like, okay, that's her. I was like, so it was just, the intention that when he got out, he just he's got already an M- he he's already got an knew M- this he's family. got an mo, and like yeah, so like that's his whole thing, right? Is that he like Befriends he's the constantly families. getting tagged? Like he presents like, he's, he presents very well to parents? family and parents. Yeah. He's very liked. Well, he knows how to do that, which is uh, I guess maybe compensating for his terrible relationship that he has with his own family, and also he presents very well to per uh, perspective employers. And he gets hired a lot, but then he also he gets he, fired a lot. He gets fired a lot because he's always goofing, or he gets blamed for a lot of stuff, like in mm-hmm. Four Hundred Blows, mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily his fault, and he gets blamed for a lot of stuff. Yeah. So Antoine and Colette, Jared, I thought was like a little trite, where like I I, I see what you mean with the uh, like the realistic dating stuff, but. When I got into the next movie, I was kind of like, what is, I was like, what was Antoine and Colette about? I was like, I guess it's just this guy and like more of him. But this seems less like a short film, like 30 minute thing and more like a supplementary bonus that could just be like included. And I guess that's what it is. That is literally what it is. Okay. But it's just strange (laughs) that it's like this, it's its own entity that. It, does it have its own spine number? No, it's a short. It is literally a special feature a on okay. the Stolen Kisses disc because it's like the. Th- it is part of the story of uh, Antoine Donnell. Antoine, yeah. Okay, well, I guess like with that being considered, okay. Uh, I didn't get a, a whole lot out of this though. Uh, I was watching it and, uh, I don't know. Like, there's cute stuff, like you said, where. He's moving his apartment and then, you know, the scenes where he's talking across the street from them. And even the the ending is kind of sweet when he's just sitting with the parents and they're all kind of like woeful that uh, <laughs> they're like, well, I guess she doesn't like you. Like, yeah. I thought the ending was kind of sweet uh, watching it like from 
the entire like from start to finish though i was kind of like meh i could take this or leave it and then i did think after i thought it would have ended nice when with just them finishing watching tv but then it kind of had that weird thing where it was like sometimes love just works out sometimes it doesn't oh well and it's like those still shots of like people kissing did you find that weird or is that just yeah i I didn't even know what to make of that that to me is like just felt like some perfunctory like thing from the formatting of this summarizing this love at 20 thing like i don't know there's not enough information for that but it felt so out of place that i was like "Eh, i don't think that's anything to do with what uh true foe was doing (laughs) like it just is like this thing it's like this, a, thing. this yeah. unrelated coda that was like, oh, did someone like voice this upon it to like explain mm-hmm. the story? And it's like, I don't feel like he was he put that there. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think with people as hot on 400 blows as they are, they should be clamoring for more of this fucking shit. So I think this fits with everything. It's like, yeah, sure. Just watch 30 more minutes of this dude. I think it is like... Uh, his love of music is cool, but it doesn't get carried on into the next movie. It didn't seem at least, but I don't know. It was fine. I just, I thought it was whatever. Well, see, I, I think that's like the thing I was, uh, when I was watching it, I was like really captivated by like the, like the, how they handled, like how they first, or how uh, Antoine meets Colette, like in that, sure. in the, in the, uh, the theater at the performance at the concert and he's like the looking concert, over at yeah. her and he's like he just can't keep his eyes off her and keeps looking at her and he starts making eye contact mm-hmm. and but then they don't talk and it takes like months before they actually ever talk and he builds up the uh the courage or finds the the, the right courage. moment it's like that weird obsession that i think is a real thing mm-hmm. and uh he finally it's like so it's not like it, it doesn't try to like so, oh, it just it just happens naturally, and it's like no, mm-hmm. not in this scenario because this is the one that's not going to work out. Because usually, if you have to like contrive this much effort into like talking to somebody and find all these reasons to like hang out, it's sure. not it's not meant to be. But when you're this age, when you're in this level of experience, that's exactly like how it is. You don't know better. You don't know what the signs mm-hmm. are. Even though it's like, yeah. Colette, she's gorgeous. She's this like super pretty girl, what? and like it's like yeah, she's like dream girl. She's like a like a doll. Like of course I want to spend the rest of my life with her and like have beautiful babies and like move away somewhere and it's all gonna be great. We're gonna play house. It's like th- this like it's all part of that package. But it's like yeah, no, you know what? Sometimes like even though this person looks like someone you'd like to be with it's like mm-hmm. and like yeah you like have sort of the same interests. it's like but do you actually have a, an actual connection with it and it's like no <laughs> like you don't know that like you just think well this is what relationships are they are like this because you, you make all these excuses and all these mm. um uh like well you know it's not like this but that's just like oh it is at the beginning we work through all those things and it's like actually the ones that last you don't have to deal with any of this bullshit <laughs> like it's it's actually pretty it, it just kind of like works out pretty effortlessly mm-hmm. like at least in my experience like there's the ones that you're like putting this much effort into and these are the ones that like eventually i mean i was thinking about while watching this is like oh man it's a good thing uh the internet didn't exist here in 1962 because antoine would be going online he'd be finding those subreddits he'd be coming mm-hmm. in one of those incels talking about ladder theory and friend zones and soon enough he's radicalizing and <laughs> just talking about the chads and the stacys because this movie's got mm-hmm. old colette she's a regular stacy here and she has wow. her chad it's all there like the the framework for antoine uh, to become that uh, was there but he was saved because he was born in an era before people had all this spare time to go onto their computers and talk to fellow 
jaded weirdos. Shameful. You know, all that relationship talk that you were mentioning, it's kind of like this podcast. It's like we waited for, we've been waiting it out for so long to, because we feel like it's, it's working and that we have this relationship, but maybe it's just an Antoine Denal type thing. Well, Do you know what I, I mean? I'm, I have been wondering why I saw you in my driveway recently. What do you mean? I don't know. I, 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 I don't, maybe it's rude to bring it up now. Here was that on that the picture air. I sent you <laughs> outside of your house that one time? With those records. With that ice cream? Mm-hmm. Just doing my own thing? Anyways, yeah, Antoine Collette. Antoine Collette. I think it's fine. I just, whatever. You know? You know what I mean, man? What? what? You know what I mean? Stolen Kisses. What about Stolen Kisses? 1968. Tagline, Antoine mm-hmm. knows what he wants to do. His problem is doing it. What? What, th- does he know what he wants to do? The third in a series of films featuring Francois Truffaut's alter ego, Antoine Donnell. The story resumes of Antoine being discharged from military service. His sweetheart, Christine's father, lands Antoine a job as a security guard, which he promptly loses. Stumbling mm-hmm. into a position assisting a private detective, Antoine falls for his employer's seductive wife, Fabienne, and finds mm-hmm. that he must choose between the older woman and Christine. I think he makes the wrong choice. He makes the wrong choice. Well, maybe we all do, RJ. Maybe we all make the wrong choice. Maybe. Who isn't looking for that older woman with the short blonde haircut? Who resembles his mother. (gasps) Oh, yeah, she does kind of, hey? Is that intentional, Jared? I think there might be a bit of, uh, a little bit something to that. Because she's like this, like, woman who's like, yeah, no, there's there's some visual cues there, RJ. The affair woman. He's looking. He's looking for, uh, yeah, a, a woman that has affairs, and he wants to re, re, you know, Freudian analysis. He wants to relive all mm-hmm. that. He wants to be part cool. of that moment. He wants to be the cheater with this woman, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to become that man. Or does he? Well, can he deny well, his libido? He? Can he? Can he? And then he reclaim and reclaim his mother. Get, can he return to the vagina to the womb? Ooh, Jared. Tell me about Stolen Kisses. This was fine. Yeah? Yeah. You liked Antoine and Colette more? I did. I really, I, okay. of, of the three, I think that one uh, I got the most out of. It, it, I felt uh, more honest. This is like a, a goofy movie. It's kind of, it's, it goes on, it's on these larks. It ever, uh, so it opens up. Uh, Donnell, he's getting out of uh, military jail. Because mm-hmm. he, he's been going AWOL because he's kind of like back where he belonged. Like he's back to his old tricks. So, mm-hmm. and Antoine Collette, it kind of shows that, okay, he grew out of that. He stopped being like the, the scamp. And now he's he's got his boring job. He's kind of like this Anthony Perkins type of guy. And uh, mm-hmm. now he's just, you know, stalking ladies. And here it's like, well, he might, maybe got his heart broke and got real weird. And then he's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get my life straight. I'm going to, I'm going to join the military. But it's like, well, he kind of like does it to get the money. Cause it's like, I think there is, uh, yeah. he, he joined the French Legion or something like that. And you no, know, maybe he's going to get deployed to some shithole somewhere. Doesn't want to do that. They, they imply that he did it because he was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Do but, you but, but there's buy also, into that? There's also the implication that he's doing it for money because mm-hmm. <laughs> he like he keeps losing jobs and stuff like that. Right. But it's like it's funny because like the beginning of 400 Blows, like the whole thing is that he seems to have like a, a real problem with school and authority. And mm-hmm. here we are. Uh, the first time we see Donnell, he gets uh, 
uh, escorted out. He gets met up to before he gets uh, dishonorably discharged. You get you, we see a classroom and it immediately recalls four hundred blows. Uh, we're getting a decidedly unwoke dis- uh, discussion about anti-personnel minds and women's bodies. About how you wouldn't mm-hmm. just like reach in and grab a woman's ass. You know, you know, you got to work you her wouldn't? up first. Well, this character describing what he would do, oh, okay. uh, good. How, he, how he doesn't treat a mine when mm-hmm. he's uh, having to deal with one. And they're all mm-hmm. having a good uh, a good boy's laugh. <laughs> so he uh, we get like a bit of an info dump of like, hey, what, what's, uh, what's Antoine been up to? It's like, well, he's been doing up to no good. Seems like he's got some girl that he's been writing to on the side, this uh, Christine girl. And, mm-hmm. uh, but that doesn't stop him from as soon as he gets out of the army to like run across town and find a prostitute to have sex with. Like just, he's on it. Like he's out there. The Jared like, approach. Mm-hmm. He just finds a girl. She doesn't like want to kiss or have him like smell her hair. He's like, enough of this. And he, he's like, screw this. And he finds another woman that's like more, uh, hot to trot for his particular desires of, uh, um, tenderness, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he like, you know. Goes and has dinner with his girlfriend. She's off at the moment. This is where I think the thing with uh, which RJ's, girlfriend, uh, Christine, the one I was confused about. Yes, because yeah, then you yeah. see, then you see uh, Colette who has now got a baby. But, that's, and that's like that yeah. thing where like that's one of those real moments where you like you maybe see someone from like in your past and you see that their yep. life's like completely jumped ahead and you go, holy shit! What what, 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 what? you here? Not really. Not any. No. I, I'm not. I'm not one of these types of people are like going to be like oh man I've really got to do something with my life I'm like comfortable with what I've decided to do and there's been oh, <laughs> like, complacent I'm, I'm, well I'm fine I'm I'm uh, comfortable with those decisions so mm-hmm. it's all good um, okay good so yeah so he gets a job uh, mm-hmm. that Christine's dad sets him up with working at a hotel front desk kind of doing security but he's really bad at it because it's kind of a farcical type of deal um, but soon enough, he winds up becoming a private investigator. And this is kind of where things almost at times feel like a Wes Anderson movie. Something mm-hmm. about like the, uh, the manner of clothes that he wears, uh, these, zo- these, these zoom ins, but there's like, there's mm-hmm. a complete total lack of this, the amazing symmetry that makes a Wes Anderson movie for me. Like sure. the, those Ozu qualities. Um, Ozu. and so, yeah, we get this like backdrop story of a, uh, a man who is looking mm-hmm. for a magician who mm-hmm. there's like this, this uh, implication that there is a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A magician lover. This man seeking as he plays with his hands, one, one, glo- one glove uncover, one bare hand. And they're just like, he's, what do you think that implies? Hands. I don't know. I don't know. What's he into? He's about knots into rope play and stuff. And he wants to find this man. And then later on when he finds out he's been married, he rages out. Well, what do you think that implies? Uh, I don't know, RJ. I don't know. It's it's just like this narrative that's in the story, but mm-hmm. I don't know how it plays into the bigger picture of things. Okay, I, or at least like I'm not. It's not coming to mind at the moment. Sure. So we get kind of like to like the main the synopsis, I guess, of the movie where he becomes this private investigator and he's deployed to uh, become a shoe, like a clerk, shoe clerk, shoe salesman clerk, uh, backroom mm-hmm. guy. Cause he's, he's being hired to watch the shoe seller's wife, this attractive older blonde woman who apparently is having an affair and the, the proprietor wants to find out with who, 
Well, he he was hired to find out why no one likes him. Is that what it is? But, okay. But the company was also yeah. hired to track the wife. Yeah. Which is I an issue I have with this movie is that everyone is being followed by a detective. Yes. In this movie. Yes. And it seems and the uh, the cartoonish following. <laughs> yeah, just, it seems it, it's, ridiculous. Well, I think it's like uh, that's uh, I think Truffaut like making like fun of that trope in film noir and movies where he's probably because like we've talked about it before. Like when um, I think about that interview he does does with Hitchcock, and we talked about it. I think like in. I don't know, episode three, Lady Vanishes, maybe, or 39 Steps, where he talks about like seeing these movies over and over and over again. Because like you didn't have TV back then, so you went to the theater and you watched movies and you studied them over and over and over again. And I just imagine he watched every movie and he was always probably like him and his uh, buddies watching these movies. They're like, oh, look, at the, that doesn't even make any sense. How could this person not know that they're being followed? And so he's like, yeah, we're just going to do that. And we're going to show, yeah, it's really stupid. <laughs> like, Because he's just like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, walking, I'm walking behind you on this complete empty street because probably in reality anytime you ever have wanted to follow somebody it was always like when nobody was around we even get him to do like a, a practice test run it seems where he's like following this like statuesque woman and he's like i'm gonna pretend i'm practicing following and she's like uh this guy's just following me and then he runs yeah. away Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, they go to that well bit with the, the following stuff and there's like other people being followed by other people. And you're like mm-hmm. all, all these, these confluences and absurdities, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Hey, the, uh, the, the shoe owner, he's the, uh, detective from day of the jackal, which I just, uh, watched like again, a couple weeks ago. And that Dirty is, rotten scoundrels. And uh, Munich. The jackal. Yeah. No, the, the detective from Munich? day of the jackal. He's the same actor. He's also in Munich. Eric Bana? No. <laughs> the old guy in Munich? Probably, yeah. Okay. <laughs> good, good guess. Eric Bana? Good, good guess that the guy from 1968's the old guy in the 2005 well, movie. Well, there's Eric Bana, there's Daniel Craig, and then there's a super old guy. Hmm. So I'm, I wonder I'm, who it might be. Is it Eric Bana? <laughs> okay. So wait, what are you talking about here? Detectives? Detectives. Yeah. Tro- tropey things. So you, anyway. What else? Yeah. Continue um, on. So yeah, you get these like moments where like now he's investigating himself because he's the man that the woman's interested in. Right. You get that, that delicious irony. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. He winds up getting fired or quitting something or other. And he winds up back with Christine. Uh, she's like tries to get him back <laughs> through like t- with tubes in her TV, and he's a TV repairman now. And then they wind up together. And then what? They're resigned to live together and exist together. Forever. What about that guy at the end? He he professes his love weirdly, and Antoine mm-hmm. goes, "Oh yeah, that guy's a real weirdo." Do you think he really meant that though, or do you no. think he? Went- I th- I think he went. Oh, is that me? And then you got to remember, it's like, as mentioned, it's like, this is sort of a, this is Truffaut's uh, avatar in his own movies. Right. He's kind of the, telling the story of himself. So you always wonder, it's like, th- these guys, do they, they bring their wives down to see the movies they've been working on, and they're sitting there, mm-hmm. it's just like eight and a half, where you're like, like an sitting, eight and a half. You're, you're sitting back, and you're watching, and you're like, 
you're looking over at him and it's like, oh, I get that you can talk out loud about how you have like a mother fixation and you want to like, like try to like get back with your mother. But like Mm -hmm. now you're telling me what now? (laughs) It's like, it's always like, huh? You did what to who now? Yeah. You want to do this? You're you're a, you're a shoe, you're a shoe salesman. Mm. You think that much of yourself? That's like uh, my life of a, of a dog. My life as a dog, where the guy was like, "I every woman in town wanted a piece of this. Mm-hmm. Old women, young women, every woman." Mm-hmm. Stolen kisses, Jared. Yeah, this is where I think that, uh, like I said, with four hundred blows, I think is way more evident in stolen kisses. Where I think he's got too much going on, and I really felt like. I understand that it's a collection of the character and it's like, it's the misadventures of Antoine Donnell. And it's like, they're, they don't all have to be the same thing with the same tone, but I really thought all three, three all three movies are fairly different. That's, that's what I I mean. Like they all seem like uh, really different entities where they all have totally different like themes and ideas and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I guess that kind of, Maybe he's trying to represent life where you go through these different things. But then I was kind of also like, I wonder if this needs to be Antoine Donnell or if it could just be completely separate movies. Well, the other thing, too, is like it's not like this is a true faux biography because it's like, well, at this point, I'm pretty sure that uh, Antoine should be like, yeah, I want to make movies. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know if he was this late a bloomer where he still hadn't figured that out and he's doing all these other things. So it's like there's not like it's like great this like direct line, but there's like kind of probably story beats and life things mm-hmm. that he's just drawing upon. And he's just telling these sort of stories. He's like that's the way you make movies is you tell stories about characters because it's more of like a li- there's more of like a literary kind of element to these movies than a movie movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. And so like that's that's all I was saying. Whereas they all feel like such different entities. That I was like, I don't know if they need to be connected. It's like, I guess, it's like I said, I guess it's maybe trying to be reflective of life and developing. But what do I know? Uh, I feel like this movie is also like not really sure what it wants to be. Because I think it has like a lot of tonal shifts throughout. Where it starts out and it seems like, I think this movie is described as a screwball comedy. Uh, I saw that on uh, IMDb, I believe. By people who haven't seen it? Yes, I think so. Because I remember I saw that. And so I I was like, hey, Andrew, do you want to watch this like (sighs) alleged comedy with me? And she's like, she's like, does it have subtitles? I was like, yes. And she's like, no, I don't want to watch it. I was like, okay. Uh, And I'm glad she didn't because she probably wouldn't have liked it that much. Um, No. No. Uh, (laughs) But I think it's kind of like, I think it's kind of all over the place where. Yeah. I think it does have like comedy elements. But then it has, it's like, it's so, you have like these, this detective agency and they're, everyone is a detective. Everyone is being followed. They're following everyone. And I was like, all right, whatever. But then you have the side stories of the shoe store and then kind of like all the other jobs he's working on also. And like, they make sense together. Like none of them feel like they come out of nowhere. They all kind of flow well together. But I also think that, Sometimes it goes a little bit like so when you were saying like the guy who wants to look at the magician and the way he freaks out, I was like kind of taken off guard by that because I was like, whoa, it's like, is this a serious movie now? Or like when that guy dies, I was like, is this a, I was like, is that supposed to be comedy or go, go, go serious? Go get the dentist. 
yeah so like I, i'm just like at, at certain times like that i was like is this supposed to be played off like straight or for comedy or however you want it it's to just be. like life rj you can find humor and sadness or sadness life, and life, life, doesn't have, life doesn't have a tone maybe you're right i think our life has a tone tone deaf Oh, does that make sense? What does tone deaf mean? You can't hear stuff. I, I just don't know. Who knows, man? I guess that's life. Uh, yeah. Stolen kisses. It's got stuff in there, man. Antoine Donnell seems like a real chowderhead, Jarrett. A real goofenheimer, if you know what I mean. Hmm. You know what I mean? And it, so like, yeah, like the tall woman thing, it's like such a, like a, like a physical comedy gag, but then you have like other stuff. And that's what I mean. Like, I feel like it kind of like bounces around a little bit too much for me where I was like, what are, what are you trying to do with this movie, dude? <laughs> hey, true foe. What are you trying to do, dude? Uh, I think it's, I think it's okay. Like I thought both of these movies were all right. I don't dislike them, but I'm sure me saying I don't dislike them will be met with great uh, opposition, and then it'll make me grow oh, to I, dislike I, I see, these movies. I, I think quite there's a, bit. a no. I, this, these movies after 400 Blows, there is uh, definitely uh, diminishing returns as far as the fandom uh, goes. I don't know if there's a lot of uh, Airweather fans. Hey, uh, well, a lot of bed and board stands, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, this one's got a lot of fruit eaten in it, too. Mm-hmm. Lots of fruit eaten. This one's got boobs in it, like full on boobs. So that's full, cool. Full on. Full on boobs. Uh, there was something else I was going to say. He's not interested in music anymore. I guess your interest changes mm-hmm. as you grow up. What else does Antoine Danelle get into in this one? I mean... He's not stealing milk anymore. Well, he's so using good. those uh, stalking skills he acquired earlier on to f- attempt to, to be follow a detective. people. And he's, and he's still as bad as ever. He's still as bad as ever. Yeah, he's not He's not great. No, but he's as clunky as a person would really be in life. Do you think he's going to be happy in the long run? Do you think next week he's going to be okay with the decisions he made? Or do you think he's going to be upset that I he can't, settled? I can't. I don't know. I can't, I, we're going to find we, out. You can't wait, right? Or do you think the next movie is going to be like some kind of football comedy shtick where he's like a pro football player that gets locked up in prison and plays in a prison league? Like the longest yard? Well, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt like all three of these things were their own entities. So maybe maybe the fourth one is the longest yard. Oh, shit. With Burt Reynolds as Antoine Donnell. <laughs> or maybe it's the remake with Adam Sandler. Yeah. What do you think, Jared? I don't know. I, I think yeah. I think I want to look and see who hates these uh, these two films. These two entities of movies. First up, Antoine Collette. We have mm-hmm. Cinnaman. Where are you at? I don't, I don't know, Cinnaman. Where are you at? One and a half star. Uh-huh. This second installment to the Antoine Donnell series has the impossible task of living up to the first one. So it nope. basically decides not to and just do its own thing instead. Nope, what a true. what a waste. Uh cinema cinema man, where you at? 
leaves in the Criterion closet. And his uh, profile says, just a lonely shit poster with a cancerous profile. Five-star movies. Cleo from five to seven. The fuck? La Ventura. (laughs) Terrific. (laughs) Let's see what they have in the half-star reviews. Nothing interesting. The Ben-Hur remake. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Breathless, they gave one star. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Good Will Hunty. One and a half star. I've I've come across this person somewhere in my travels. I couldn't buy Antoine being straight because he grew up to be a textbook twink. What? Is he a, a twink? I didn't. I didn't. Didn't cross my mind. I can't. Uh, so Goodwill Hunty has a Twitter handle that I can't say on air because I'd get in trouble. It's a hate crime. Uh, their movies, like favorite films, I don't even know what any of these are. Um, Margaret from 2011. Trop, uh, Tropical Milady from 2004. Code Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a poster of a guy. I, I'm looking at the poster, and the ma and the lady look spaced out. Whatever. Code Unknown from 2000. <laughs> The adjuster. You're, you're from, from your favorite director, Michael Haneke. Oh, what a bad movie. Uh, Goodwill Hunty gave Whiplash a half a star. So that's about as huh. bad of takes as they go. Hmm. You know? And Is Truman it? Show, one star. Ugh. Hmm. Gross. Wild. Okay. Stolen Kisses. Okay. Mike is tall. One and a half star. I think he really is, though. Film number three of December Challenge 2. <laughs> My first attempt at Francois Truffaut left me a little disappointed. Why in the world would you start with Stolen Kisses? Like, <laughs> why, why even start at all? It wasn't a bad film by any means. Okay. <laughs> the plot just twisted and turned too many times for my liking. I also might not have been in the right frame of mind. I may or may not have dozed off a few times. This could deserve a rewatch. One and a half stars. <laughs> so bizarre what uh, what uh, these people just, like <laughs> rationalize things uh, as. Just imagine eh? these in a uh, like Leonard Maltin's book. <laughs> it's like them I've dozed off. Could deserve a rewatch. It's like yeah, I might rewatch it. Mike, Mike Mike is tall is not getting a book. I don't think this person gave Whiplash five stars. Oh look at that! They gave Scream five stars, but mm. they also gave Infinity War five stars. <laughs> Half star movies. Oh boy, Jarrett. Mission Impossible 2 rears its head again in the half-star section. <laughs> it keeps coming back. It's really bad. And uh, Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones. Yeah. I I think that movie's not bad, man. When's, I when's, think... when's that rewatch happening, RJ? For me? Yeah. I'll rewatch that son of a bitch any day of the week. You tell me oh. when. You tell me when. Tomorrow. No, I can't tomorrow. I'm busy. Teacher Nat. Nate? Teacher Nat. Teacher Nat. Teacher Nat. Two yeah. stars. At least the first two Donnells had a point and told a contained story about something. This one felt so modern Hollywood. People loved the 400 blows. Might as well crank out another one. This is supposedly a series about life, but Truffaut forgot to put feeling in it. And he committed the worst mm-hmm. offense of film franchises. <laughs> Stop, what are you, what stopping the film at a random point, no resolution. I would call it a cliffhanger, but that would imply some sort of drama, which the film lacked. 
Also, I understand that Jean-Pierre Lude has something of a reputation, but I must question his acting in this one. I'm currently two-thirds through Out One from 1971. His character what? there is of questionable mental fitness, and it works in that film. But here, he is three years prior pretty much playing the same character, and it doesn't work at all. I just don't buy that women would be attracted to this guy. Was the boss's wife pulling a minor Anna Stubblefield? Who's Anna Stubblefield? That's what you're here for. I don't know who Anna Stubblefield is, Jer. Uh, neither do I. Well, all I know is that this person's just a Kurosawa fan. Oh. Like, that's kind of the only five-star. Well, it's like High and Low and Ron. Uh, Harry Curie is in there. Rocco and his brothers. Kurosawa's Drunken Air Angel. Let's go with these half-star reviews. Ooh, raw half a star. I can get behind that. Whoa, what is what is this about? Ex Rutgers prof who sexually assaulted a disabled man. Uh, <laughs> that that's Anna Stubblefield. Uh, like I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I've heard of this tale. This tale of intrigue. This 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 is not the true crime podcast, though. That's not what we're here for, folks. That's uh. Wow. Weird and wild she, times, man. <laughs> on a recent Monday in a crowded Newark courthouse, the former Rutgers philosophy professor, Anna Stubblefield, admitted she touched the penis of a man with cerebral palsy <laughs> who could not legally consent. Okay, but how does, how does that in any way relate back to stolen kisses? Because, like, it's completely consensual. Because she asks Antoine, she's like, do you want me to stay for like two hours? And he goes, yes. You want to come to Pound Town? They, they agree. They have consensual adult relations. That's Hence the minor. Is he a minor? No, it's, no, it's like, it's, I, I think it's like a, a smaller, it's not a major. You dig? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's such, that's a, that's a. You know, fucking bull, any, man. Anything can happen here on the Criterion Creeps podcast. Well, see that we're not scripted. This is this, it's this unscripted. Is what we do. It's unscripted. Guess what'll happen live? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Remember whose line is it anyway? Yeah. We're kind of that of podcasting. Well, that's yes. it for now. Okay. After the break, uh, yeah. while not banging the boss's wife. Uh-huh. It's not even the boss's wife. It's like a guy that you're like been secretly hired to be your Which boss. Which oh, Fuck, I don't know. Uh, okay. We're going to wait, see where things pick up next. I'm sure it's just going to get better and better, just like in life. Right, RJ? I think life usually only just gets worse, dude. I'm not sure if you're... I'm not sure if you're right. Oh... Enclosed in your skin 
Full perfection spent in my arms Stolen kisses far, 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 far Stolen kisses far, 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 far Huh? Are you going to be recommending the adventures of Antoine Donnell to your friends and family? There's only one movie I'm recommending, and you already know what that one is. Uh-oh. It's got bandana in it. It's orange. <laughs> that means anything goes, baby. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about your love for cruising. Tell us what your color bandana yeah. is. If you haven't I'll watched cruising, watch it. Mm, probably should we've got a facebook page we're on instagram mm-hmm. we're on letterbox i'm jared duncan he's barnloaf mm-hmm. we're on youtube we're mm-hmm. on patreon <gasps> we're on soundcloud stitcher <gasps> itunes google wow. play and heck tumblr. i think there's even a tumblr there's a tumblr out there we even have our own bandana jared you can check that out on the tumblr oh. next week Mm-hmm. Spine 185 still. Uh, we got 187 and 188 to do. Adventures of Antoine Donnell, part two. Uh, Bed and board, 1970. And love on the run from 1979. Sounds lame. Are these movies any good? I don't know. We're going to find out. Well, you never seen them? No. No, man. They sound lame. I don't know. Like you, nerd. Maybe next week we'll even talk about the performances of the actors. <laughs> Everything's fine. Just say that. It's fine. They're all fine. You can't be offended Done. if I just say that, but you'll find a way to be. You'll find a way. Nature always finds a way. Does it? You're the Mission Impossible 2 of people. (laughs) That one hurt you, didn't it? God! Good night. Stop it.